This podcast is part of the Big Heads Media Podcast Network. Go to BigHeadsMedia.com for more great podcasts. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Franchise Tag NFL Podcast. I'm your host, Eric, joined alongside Chris over the phone today. Chris, how you doing? Long time no talk. How's it been, man? I know. I'm doing well. How about you? I'm doing all right. You know, we entered uh, Wild Card Weekend. Pretty exciting for the most part, so I definitely have a lot to talk about. Uh, last week, I definitely previewed uh, Wild Card Weekend with a buddy of mine, Devin, over the phone. He helped me out a bit in your absence, but glad to hear you're back. And, you know, we have a lot of t- lots to talk about today, other than what happened Wild Card Weekend and to, to preview the divisional rounds, heading into the conference championships. Um on top of that, we have some head coach hirings and how I feel about certain hirings. Um, you know, some people will get, you know, what I mean by that, especially later on. But jumping into the wild card weekend, not to waste any time. Uh, what do we think? What do we think of the games, general ideas, and, you know, thoughts about it? What do you think? Yeah, I mean, before we go into any results, like, you know, who beat who, yeah. just overall, they were all, all four were just very great games. All of them, I enjoyed watching every single one of them. Yeah, I liked all of them too. I mean, I kind of fell off with the Seahawks and the Eagles towards the end, but DK Metcalf kind of reeled me back in, I would say. Yeah, and I mean, you know, typically for wild card uh, weekend, you know, you figure there's some teams that are shaky that uh, just made it into the playoffs and you're not really expecting much from them. Uh, But overall, like, you know, every every single game ended at least a one-score game, so... They were all exciting pretty much till the end, and uh, I, I overall was basically glued to my TV for almost every single game. Were you had, were you expecting this this close uh, like these close games to be as exciting as they were? Were you expecting blowouts here and there, or do, were you expecting these upsets that happen? What do you think? Um. So I mean, I was not surprised about the the games how how close they were. But I was surprised with some of the outcomes. I mean, I know we'll get into that a little bit later. Um, but, you know, some, some of the games, I was I was a little surprised that uh, some of the teams pulled it off. But I didn't expect there to be too much of a blowout in terms of uh, score. I didn't expect too much of a blowout either. And I'm kind of glad they, they it was so close. But... You know what? Without further ado, let's enter it. Uh, first game of Wild Card Weekend was the Bills and the Texans. Um, the Bills were at the Texans, so they were on the road. Um, the Bills were highly favored in regard to the people I've spoken to, but according to Vegas, Texans were favored just because they were home and you know Deshaun Watson and a bunch of other factors into that too. I, for one, always knew the Texans were going to win. A couple buddies of ours said the Bills had a solid chance. They have a solid defense, and their offense can click when it when all when it all comes together. They have great coaching. They made the playoffs too of the last three years, and that's kind of unheard of for the Bills organization this past decade, um, and that's slowly changing. What did you think of this game? Did you think the Bills had a solid chance of winning this game, or did you always think the Texans were going to win? Because that was my thoughts going into this, personally. It was This game was one of those games where it was a very uh, very tough matchup for me to really pick, and uh, you know some of the other games, I had a little bit more on the line in terms of who I wanted to favor, or you know I, I wanted a particular team to win over another. This game was just one of those games where I really just was enjoying to watch. I didn't really have much, didn't put down a bet. None of them really impacted me or my my team. Um, so I kind of just watched it, and I was me personally the only kind of give the reason I, I lean more towards the Bills was just because I had uh, Josh Allen and John Brown on my fantasy team, so I figured, hey, it'd be pretty cool to see them go a little bit further, and I know they haven't gotten a playoff win since uh, 1995, so it just would have been nice to see them win, Um, but other than that, I was just kind of excited to see the matchup. I was definitely excited to see the matchup, too. Listen, this ended 22-19, to so it ended up very, very close. It's headed into overtime. 
Um, a, a lot of weird coaching on Doug McDermott's part, I got to say. A lot of improvements he needs to make because I don't think the Houston Texans are going to make it past the next round by any stretch of the imagination. If they could barely get past the Bills and, and you know the way that offensive line is for the Texans, it was absolutely awful to watch. And I think we were talking about it during the game as it was happening. Deshaun Watson was getting eaten up and, and swallowed up this whole oh, entire yeah. game. That offensive line is so, so tough to watch. How is he going to – how is that going to improve this next coming round? Do you think that you're just going to write him off at this point or – do you think they have a chance as well going into next week or this yeah, week? I, mean, I should it's say tough because yeah, because you know, as you mentioned, Deshaun Watson was getting pressured the whole time, and and he really didn't have much time to throw. But the reason they won that game is because he put the team on his back, and he basically made a Superman play, and and that's what ended up giving them that win. So I mean, you know, those are those could be once in a blue moon plays, but I feel like him as an athlete, he he can do that. He could do that week in week out, and I feel like that definitely helps with the lack of a, an O line, but. You know, I feel like after a while, it's too much. You can't be consistently getting pressured like that and expecting results to happen every single time. I mean, he really put the team on his back when he needed it. But, uh, I mean, I, I don't know if, he, as you mentioned, I don't know if they can really move through with the next round with having those struggles. Imagine what this team would be, this offense would be, with a phenomenal offensive line. Like if the Texans, just for the next couple years, drafted offensive linemen, they sign offensive linemen in the offseason, is this team almost unstoppable if they can improve a little bit of the defense too? I know it's, that's saying for all teams too, if you can improve your offense and defense, you're, you're an amazing team, whatever. But I'm saying with the way Deshaun Watson was able to come out with a win in this game against a tough defense and a very well-coached team and a team that's very up-and-coming and a Texans team that's supposed to be up-and-coming. Listen, they won their division. You know, Deshaun Watson's improving. Um, but, you know, as we've seen in that division, it's a little iffy. So I think they have a solid chance at taking that division. Um, how crazy would it be if that offensive line was just unpenetrable and what Deshaun Watson can do with his weapons? Yeah, see, I mean, he, he has, he's that dual threat kind of quarterback. He can take it on the ground and he can really throw the ball. He, he has a good arm, so he can also throw deep. And uh, when you have a healthy Fuller and you have DeAndre Hopkins there, just those two, you factor just those two and don't even talk about anybody else yet. Just those two, they're both deep threats and they can come down with that ball. So if you give them a little bit more time, I see them scoring more and more. And, uh, you know, in this league, when you hit maybe around 30 points, high 20s, it's hard for NFL teams to start coming back at that. So I feel like, you know, if he gets that time, he's going to be able to do those quick drives, deep balls to Hopkins, who has arguably one of the best hands in the league. And you have Will Fuller, who's also a very good player, very deep threat when uh, healthy, and he didn't even play this game. Um, They're looking to use him this coming week. But those two players are just playmakers, and I feel like just having the offensive line improving even slightly – will give them a lot more downfield threats, which is something that uh, those two receivers are definitely capable of, of using and, and doing well with. I think so also. So let's get into the Bills a little bit because, listen, for the for a huge part of the game, it was it was 13 uh, nothing by, by the time half halftime came around. And yeah. it was kind of everyone was kind of writing off the Texans at that point. There was no way they were going to come back from that. And I didn't want to write them off either. I knew there was something that they could have done later on in, at halftime, maybe some adjustments. But we've spoken to you, I've spoken to you about this many times. If you're going to have to wait until halftime to make some adjustments, you're, you're not going to win this game. Um, but luckily for them, they did. But for Josh Allen, I didn't think he had an awful performance. He did throw a lot. 46 times he threw, 24 completions, 264 yards, no touchdowns, no picks. Um, he did run the ball a little bit, as Josh Allen does, almost 100 yards. He had nine carries, um, 92 yards, and he did have that one catch earlier in the game. The second I saw yeah. that, I was like, 
I don't know. This this may be it because when teams start cl- when teams start to click like that, it's hard to it's hard for to take them down because there's so much momentum being built there. Um, but you know they did get brought down, and I, my problem here was some of the coaching. I don't think anything was really wrong with what you know the offense did overall. But I'm saying Doug McDermott when it's fourth and what twenty seven. And they were going for it? Yeah, something like that, yeah. And they're going for it on fourth down, and they have plenty of time to kick. You have the best defense in the league. If you don't trust your defense, I don't know what to tell you. I I, I was shocked that, you know, I, mean, I wasn't shocked the fact that Josh Allen got, sa- got sacked on that play, but I was in shock that he didn't really put any trust in his defense there, or he had a, even had a solid chance at getting 27 yards on fourth down. It's just it's mind-boggling to me. Yeah, I mean, when I uh... – when I saw, I mean, they fortunately ended up getting another chance, I believe, after not converting on that fourth down. They ended up their defense came up with some big stops, and uh, they they did end up having an opportunity to uh, to go down and win that game, I believe. But you know, it's it's not some some poor coaching decisions. I personally, I think I put this in our chat that we're in as well. I personally thought that they started going a little too conservative too quickly. Yeah. Um. You know, I mean, trust me, I'm I've been on the wrong end of some huge comebacks you know i'm a falcons fan as i've mentioned many times i've seen the patriots do that and uh i think that the fal- problem with the falcons there was they were not conservative or they tried to be conservative too late um i think the bills were the opposite they tried to be too conservative too early and they were then okay we're just going to kick field goals so they scored that first touchdown you you mentioned josh allen ended up catching that yeah. from uh, i believe john brown yep john brown and then from that point on they kept getting to the red zone but they weren't really pushing to, to get those points, they were just looking at it as, all right, you know, if, if we can't get in, um, you know, it's better than a turnover, let's just kick the field goals. And they're being too conservative, and it ended up, like, killing them towards the end of the game because they lost that momentum. And uh, and from that point on, they just were not – they couldn't get the, the ball rolling anymore after kind of writing off – they, I feel like, even kind of wrote off the Texans and said, all right, it's kind of over, we're up 16 nothing at half, just got to be conservative, run the ball, and uh, everything will be all right. And Deshaun Watson came down, I think, on that first opening drive after half, yeah. after that controversial uh, kickoff. And uh, he went down and got a t- they got a touchdown and then a two-point conversion. And it was a one-score game just like that. Yeah. Yeah. I thought that was definitely – it was funny because it's so storybook that the fact that he, that he drove downfield and he also scored the touchdown. Like, using his legs, he rushed in. And, you know, I thought it was a phenomenal game by Deshaun Watson. He used a lot of heart there, and that's definitely very promising for the Texans. I think for the Bills, however, they have a very promising team considering the fact that the Patriots are now eliminated from the playoffs as well. Maybe they could improve here and there in some positions. You know, you don't have to worry about a quarterback anymore. Josh Allen's your guy, and I like the way he plays because he doesn't really care what he does. And I know there's a couple fumbles, and he's had a lot of interceptions this season as well as last season, um, especially since he got mm-hmm. injured last season as well, and he has a healthier season the next year. Um they have a lot to look forward to going into next season. So, you know, I don't think that this isn't the end of the road for the, the Bills. I think they have a solid chance at making wild card weekend and for, for many years to come, I would say. Yeah, and I mean, you know, like you mentioned, they, they have Josh Allen, who's a young quarterback. They have Devin Singletary, who uh, as of right now, if he seems to be that guy, he's he was a rookie this year. Uh, John Brown's clicking with them. Um, you know, they, they just seem to be working in terms of offense. They they have like three or four guys that are really working for them. And uh, they're, they're not, you know, John Brown's a little bit older than the other two guys that I mentioned, but you could keep him around for a little bit. And uh, John Brown kind of seemed to find a home. He's been around the league a little bit. He's been around like two or three teams, I believe, and wasn't too much of a contributor in those teams. But uh, I feel like on the Browns, I believe he got over a thousand receiving yards this year. He's gotten some touchdowns. He's, uh, he's really making his presence known in Buffalo. 
I definitely like Singletary, but I don't think it would be out of the ordinary for them to draft a running back in this upcoming draft. Yeah, I mean, what, what I saw was that Singletary was kind of trying to prove himself in the beginning. And uh, I feel like around once Frank Gore finally got that record repassed, Barry Sanders in yards, I feel like from that moment on, Frank Gore's looks kind of got more limited as the season went on. Like, it was more of like uh, maybe like a 60-40, and then it dropped tremendously. Like, it was more like 85-15 or like 80-20, something around those lines. You think they were trying to pat stats for him? Um, I'm I'm not I'm not really sure about I'm not sure if just at that point like you know Frank Gore did it later on in the season and at that point Singletary had kind of proven himself so they were like all right we're gonna go with this guy because he's more proven himself or uh, you know they wanted him to get that stat and then they were kind of like let's just see what the rookie can do I'm not really quite sure it, it could have just been coincidental that around that time he uh, you know Singletary might have just proven himself um, but I I, just, I did notice that once he got that stat his his usage kind of went down. I'd say significantly. Yeah, I think so too. I mean, going back to this defense, they should not put their heads down at all. You know, keep their heads up. They have a lot to look forward to. I mean, they could have beat the Patriots earlier on, earlier on in the season if you know, like we said, like Matt Barkley didn't get injured here, he, this and that. It was because their defense put on a show that game, and especially at home, it's very impressive. Tremaine Edmonds gets one sack. Trent Murphy gets two sacks. Jerry, Jerry Hughes gets three sacks, and we have uh, Neil getting one sack. This game all night, so much pressure on that on that um, Texans offensive line. There's really not much more they could do there. In all honesty, I think their their offense just slowed up um, towards the remainder of the game. The third and fourth quarter, they only had you know Hauschka got all their points in the third and fourth. Um, so yeah. I don't know what what else they could possibly be, possibly have done there. Um, but you know, a lot of what I don't know. Doug McDermott had a lot of questionable calls that game out. I wasn't really sure. Uh, as soon as I saw the fourth and twenty-seven, I was just like, "This game could end here." But it went into overtime, so they kind of got they kind of lucked out there, and they still they still can pull through. So, you know, there's only so much you could do there. Um, I like Doug McDermott though, so he's going to have that job there for a very long time. But those types of calls that like, you have to make on, you know, towards the end of the game, two minutes left in the game, maybe less, you you gotta you know put your foot down and really find a way to win. That that's what it all comes down to. Definitely, and I mean, I know towards the end, as we're mentioning, there were some questionable calls in terms of uh, coaching but in that first drive when the Bills went down the field they made that look effortless and they made you know I started to get a little nervous for the Texans and I was like oh man like they just went right down the field they made it look so simple Josh Allen had some big plays uh, he had a big run and then he obviously got that touchdown catch I'm like you know they're they're being creative they're they're doing things that they didn't do in the regular season if this is how they're going to keep going this is going to be a dangerous team in this game because how are you going to prep for that if they keep throwing curveballs at this defense but that one drive was the only drive that they really did anything like that. And then they just didn't proceed with any, you don't have to necessarily do trick plays, but they didn't even try any like, you know, designed runs. They tried it later on in the game. The one I believe where Josh Allen tried to throw the ball, lateral it back. Um, Oh yeah. It was like a, that was, that was so strange. I saw that on Twitter and you see like the freeze frame picture of him trying to lateral behind him. I don't know. He's, that's what I'm saying. He doesn't, he's not, he doesn't really care that much. He's like, whatever, you know, if we have to, you know, play drunk football, whatever we got to do to to get you know some yardage or some points on the board, I'll I'll do it. But you know, I feel like as he's young right now, as time goes on, he's definitely got to be smarter with that. That's uh, not a good move. Yeah, definitely. definitely. He he got very lucky that that ball was not a fumble and picked up by the Texans going the other way. 
for sure. Um, so back to the Texans, and we'll kind of wrap it up here because, again, this went into overtime. Kami Fairbairn hit the field goal to take him into the next round versus the Chiefs um, in the divisional round. DeAndre Hopkins had six receptions, 90 yards. It didn't feel like it. I feel like all game he wasn't targeted whatsoever. I feel like he didn't get as many receptions as it looks on paper, especially in the first half. They kind of covered him pretty well. Do you think teams are really yeah. starting to figure out who DeAndre Hopkins is as a wide receiver and they're able to cover him, or is it kind of just, you know, they game plan correctly? What, what do you think? I feel like the past couple weeks in the regular season, it was just everyone knew exactly how to game plan against DeAndre Hopkins. Well, what I read, which was very interesting, was that in the first half, they were really doubling him, and you could see it. They were really shutting it down. Uh, the only catch he really had, he fumbled that ball, and I uh, was picked up by the Bills. Yeah. Um, that was really all he got in that first half. And it came out later on that they were trying at halftime, one of the adjustments that the Texans were trying to make was they wanted to have one-on-one coverage with him and Davis White. That's what they wanted. They wanted to find a way to create that matchup. And, uh, you know, clearly if he came out and got 90 yards and, and seven catches or six catches in the second half, clearly they found a way to get that matchup that they wanted um, and, and the adjustment worked. But I feel like, you know, it's, it's one of those arguments where a lot of times, you know, you heard it last year with the Saints when Michael Thomas didn't really do too great in the uh, the NFC Championship game. And it was like, oh, well, he was getting double covered the whole game. Uh, teams knew how to cover him. And, I mean, you know, when you're looked at as one of the better receivers or the top five, top three, wherever you want to name them, in terms of, you know, receiving in the NFL, I feel like you're going to have to find a way to to get rid of double coverage or you're going to have to get used to being in it because you're going to get it. If you're looked at as a top receiver in the NFL, I mean, minus just being the, the best receiver on your team, if you're looked at as one of those best guys in the league, you're going to get double coverage. So you need to figure out how to adjust with it and I mean I don't know if it was him that adjusted or the coaches or a little bit of both going into that second half but whatever they did it worked and and I feel like that's what they need to do if they need if Hopkins wants to keep putting up good numbers he's going to have to adjust because he's going to get double coverage it's going to happen what else do you want to add on the Texans in this game? I know, like, you know, kudos to them for ma- making the major comeback. People wrote them off after the first half because it's hard to do in football because, you know, once you get the ball, the other team has to get the ball again, and it's very tough for defense to turn the ball over. It's only once in a blue moon. I, I Maybe not even once in a blue moon. It, it could happen, but you really have to force it. you got to place really solid defense, so it's pretty tough on their part. Um, but, you know, again, kudos to them for getting the victory here because, you know, deep down, I knew inside me being at home, it was going to give them an advantage. I knew I knew this 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 team was better than who they were, um, according to other people, especially friends of ours, other friends of mine that I've heard of and other people I've heard who believed in the Bills even more, rightfully so because they're a great team. But um, anything else on the Texans that you got that you got from this game that, you know, that could carry over into next game maybe against the Chiefs? Yeah, I mean, I guess the only thing that I would really have to say is that uh, they, they put up that fight and they really fought for that win. It was not going to come easy to them. I mean, you knew it was going to be a fight, but then being down 16 nothing and, and coming back from that deficit and coming up with the win, I mean, you know, that, that was a great job in, at halftime with the adjustments by the coach. That was great. You know, you saw the players had hard, like we mentioned. Um, Sean Watson kind of tried to put the team on his back, and he, he was getting big runs and – and spinning out of tackles and throwing downfield. And, uh, you know, that, that momentum kind of changes. It really comes down to the quarterback because the quarterback is the life of that offense. Right. So if he's, you know, moping around and doesn't think that they're going to do it, that offense is not going to produce. But since he went out and basically gave life to that the crowd and, and to that offense and to the defense when they saw that he went out there and, and fought for that touchdown and then they got that two-point conversion, you know, that, that says a lot to your team. And then your team – gets even more psyched up and they want to fight for you even more. And, uh, 
you know, I feel like that's really what, what got the Texans going and what changed that momentum. So uh, I feel like they just got to keep working and keep putting in all that effort and that hard work that they did. And, uh, you know, I don't expect much in terms of them to come out with the win this week, but you never know if they pull something out. You know, Deshaun Watson is he's a very talented quarterback. He could do a lot. And when you just put the, the game on his shoulders, when he's healthy, he's very good. He has some good weapons around him. Um, it's just basically the story of this season has been the struggles. They've been up and down this whole season. You don't know what Texans team you're going to get. Yeah, and I, I think, you know, the Texans, if their offensive line is going to continue to struggle, I think they should pull out, you know, maybe they shouldn't now that I think about it because their offensive line is bad. They should pull out maybe, you know, a trick play, maybe how the Bills did it, you know what I mean? Like do something like that and, you know, throw the Chiefs off, off guard a little bit, do something I think Deshaun Watson and you know the guys on the offense and Duke Johnson, who was a who's been a phenomenal player for them this year. I think he could, you know, I think those guys could definitely put something together, make a trick play, maybe on a scoring drive or something like that. Um, because you know the, the conservative, they're to be honest with you, they're playing a little conservative as well. Because again, they went through that first half without putting points up on the board, and then they realize after half, it's like we're gonna have to hustle here and get get downfield. Do you think that would be a solid option for them to do something like the Bills did earlier on in the game, where Josh uh, Josh Allen's the one running downfield, catching catching passes in the end zone? Yeah, I mean, I think that they got to stay true to who they are. So you know, you go out with your game plan, try to figure it out, and then if things just don't seem to be going too right for you, then I think you know, pull out that trick play, pull out that you know, have a couple plays in the back of your head or on that playbook that you're using and you're saving for maybe. When you're thinking, oh, like this play is very risky, but you know you got to use it because the momentum shifting. You're down by maybe ten points or something, and then you know you need to get the the crowd into it, or you need to get your players back into it. You need to just change that momentum, even in the slightest. They've got to have a couple of those plays to just pull out. Right. All right. So enough of that game. Again, the Texans are moving on to the divisional round against the Chiefs. And a lot of people are writing them off already against the Chiefs, but we'll jump into that a little later when we uh, go over and review um, the divisional round. Um, I want to talk about the Vikings and the Saints. Um, the, that was the following game uh, the next day. Um, Minnesota upset the New Orleans Saints in their own dome, 26-20. to 20, And I want to get your initial thoughts on this game. We'll jump into analytics. We'll jump into some plays. We'll jump into everything we need to do about this game. What happened? Yeah, I mean, watching that game, I was watching it, and uh, I was with, um, I believe I was with our buddy Matt at the time. I don't think uh, I don't think we were out yet, but we were planning to go out later on to watch some games or, or something. I'm not sure exactly what was going on that day. Um, but I remember just sitting there watching that with Matt at his house. And uh, it was, I believe, you know, once it was late in the third quarter and it was 20 to 10. And the first thought that came to my head is I was like, huh, I feel like this is exactly the same scenario that happened the last time they played when they had the uh, Minneapolis Miracle. I was like, I feel like they had like a similar lead to this. And then they ended up blowing it. And then luckily they had that nice play, the, uh, the Miracle. And then they ended up walking off with that win with uh, Stefan Diggs. But I was thinking in my head, and then I actually looked it up, and the score was 20-10 to 10 in the game that was just going on currently this past weekend. And the score was 17-7 to 7 for the Minneapolis Miracle at that time. Mm-hmm. So the score wasn't the exact same, but the differential between the points was the same. Um, so I was getting a little nervous, and I was like, I hope, you know, me being a Falcons fan, I was like, I don't, obviously I don't want to see the Saints win, but I knew in the past, I'm like, the, the Saints have come back from this in the past. And it was only two years ago with a very similar team, um, you know they had a lot. They had a lot of fire 
behind their playoff run. They, they feel like last year they got screwed, and, and the year before, as I mentioned, was the Minneapolis miracle. I was just, I was just not buying that the Vikings were just going to, you know, win by, by a good amount. I just didn't think it was going to stay. And, uh, you know, I'm sure you'll get into it. And uh, then the result happened. So, yeah. Um, I, man, I, I don't know what to say. And I've said this in our group chat. I, I already wrote off. And if I luckily I didn't put money on this. I really wanted the Ravens and the Saints to be in the Super Bowl. Main reason being you got Lamar Jackson, who's the new school of quarterback, who is probably going to be MVP. You have the Saints, who have Drew Brees, who has never won an MVP. But he's an old school guy who could still play in this league, and I just wanted to see those two clash heads. And now it's kind of like maybe you know, and I, this may not even be like real life anymore because the fact that there's so many upsets at this point. Um, I mean, I mean, again, the, the Texans were not considered to be an upset. This game was an upset. The Patriots and Titans were an yeah. upset. We'll get into that a little later. This was a huge upset. So it's kind of like who knows what's going to happen in the, these these next upcoming days. Um, when the games begin. So I, I really want to think that it's going to be the Ravens and the Niners again, but who knows exactly what's going to happen. I, I keep having the Ravens in my head as the unanimous already going to be in the Super Bowl, but who knows what's going to happen. I really don't know. And this game really, I, I, it was just like, wow, yeah, we're in playoff time right now. Like I just woke up for a second. I'm like, we're not in the regular season. This is the playoffs. You know, anything could happen. And the fact that the, the Vikings for, you know, games like this, for the Vikings and for Vikings fans, they've dealt with a lot of heartbreak and everything like that and all Minnesota sports and everything like that. They needed this. And honestly, even though I put some money down on the Saints, maybe on a parlay for the first wild card weekend and, you know, and whatever, but the, the Vikings, seeing the way they played, especially on defense and how everything came together and how they pushed in that on overtime drive. Um, I love it, and I love that for the playoffs, and I, I want to see what they can do with the next upcoming rounds because a lot of people wrote them off too. You know, it, it was just that that type of game where you think you know the Saints are a better team this year. There's no way they can lose. Listen, they're coming back from that awful call that changed the game forever by giving them a flag for non-PI calls. Like now he they turned that into a big thing this year, and it's a big topic of discussion for the NFL season. But you know, that Minnesota miracle happened, and, you know, year after year after year, now the Saints are the ones dealing with heartbreak, so it's kind of like that's another storybook thing there. You know, the Vikings were fed up with it. We're not going to write ourselves off. You know, the Minnesota miracle isn't going to, you know, bail us out this time. You know, different different personnel that year. You got guys like Case Keenum, and they get rid of that guy to, you know, bring in a guy like Kirk Cousins. You know, to put them over the top, and this is exactly what you signed to that three-year, $84 million contract for that's been criticized year in and year out. People thought, oh, he's awful on prime time. Why'd you give him this contract? You didn't have to give him a full guaranteed. You could have signed some other guys, maybe brought a new guy in, this and that. But, of course, nobody's talking now. And I have to point that out because why is no one like giving them any high praise it's kind of like oh yeah they were the better team but you know but when if the saints were to win the vikings would be you know the topic of discussion like how bad is this team like kirk cousins is on a bad contract this and that the coaching should should um zimmer get fired this and that you know stefanski's interviewing for the browns job is this all going to fall apart and i don't know what do you think of that why are the vikings so scrutinized i feel like they're such a, they're a team just because they're in a great division they're great year in and year out they're winning you know they have a winning culture there um, obviously they can't make it to a Super Bowl and a lot of Minnesota sports teams can't make it to the, you know, the big stage, but you know, they're a very solid team yet. They're so scrutinized for the actions they make or the things they don't do. So wh what do you think that is? Yeah. I mean, I think it's just, uh, I think with, um, I'd say the NFL in particular, the way that it's been is I feel like you have these, these particular teams that are just kind of 
high praise, even uh, even if the season isn't going great for them. I feel like there's just a few teams that you can think of, you know, maybe like the Patriots, the uh, the Packers, the Steelers. Um, those are just like a few teams that are just off the top of my head that I can use for an example. And uh, you just can't write them off because they have such a great franchise history. Right. And, you know, they're, they're just one of those teams that you never know when they're going to click at the, the right moment. And when they click, they could be dangerous. And I feel like the Vikings are not in that list. And I would say the Saints with uh, Drew Brees and with Sean Payton and the way that they've been playing recently, they've also fallen into that category of teams as to where you never know when they're going to click at the right time and they're dangerous when they're on. Um, and, and I just feel like, you know, with this matchup, everybody was just writing them off because, you know, as you mentioned, Kirk Cousins does not have a very good track record in terms of primetime games and, and must-win games. He's not, you know, the greatest in those. So when you go against a team that has a history of competing – year in and year out for a playoff spot and, and making it to the postseason all the time and, and you know, having a great coach that has a great mind and, and works all the time opposed to a coach that is, uh, you know, he's, he's not awful, but he's not looked at as in high regards compared to Sean Payton. So I feel like everybody just kind of wrote him off in terms of that. Um, and I feel like this kind of gave them, them the reassurance that they are one of those teams that can be put up in that category. They're one of those teams that can compete. And it was more of the more so to be like, all right, you know, keep doubting us because we are a good team. Uh, you know, we just nobody just gave us that shot. And I think they they shut a lot of people up in, in in this game, but it's just that not a lot of people are giving them the praise that they should get. And I'm here to say. Congratulations to the Vikings for moving on to the next round. You know, you got a lot of game plan uh, for coming into the next week against the 49ers. It's going to be tough. It's going to be very tough. That's another game people are going to write them off for. But, you know, I think the Vikings, you know, I think they left a little bit of a mark, you know, maybe, you know, maybe a little bit of, you know, some strange memories that Jimmy Garoppolo may have when he, like, that was the game he tore his ACL, I think, a while ago. And this is his first year fully healthy and back. So, you know, Maybe they'll have some game plan for Jimmy Garoppolo, but again, that team is absolutely insane as well, and they have been all year round. So I'm I'm rooting for the Vikings moving forward. I mean, getting past this round, the, I already wrote them off in my head, but the fact that they are you know shutting a lot of people up, I find that very very impressive. Um, so again, just to kind of recap, they have they won 26 to 20 in overtime. Um, but talking about the rest of the game here, Kirk Cousins, 19 completions, 31 attempts, 242 yards, one touchdown. So nothing you know crazy here, you know uh, up until mm-hmm. the very end. Um, Dalvin Cook gets 28 carries, 94 yards, two touchdowns. He's healthy, um, especially after the last couple weeks. In the regular season, he had a shoulder issue. I thought that was going to be a problem, um, but no, he he was you know back in his original form here. Adam Thielen officially back from that hamstring injury. You know, I mean, he has been for the past couple weeks, um, but they've kind of you know been easing him back into the offense slowly but surely. But he had seven receptions, 129 yards, 18.4 yards averaged. Um, and then Dalvin Cook also in the passing game, three receptions, 36 yards. Kyle Rudolph gets the touchdown in overtime in the corner of the end zone. I feel like Kirk Cousins and Kyle Rudolph kind of have that connection. Um, they ha- they and you saw that especially during against the Cowboys earlier this season uh, when they beat them. They had he had those two touchdowns and he had that one-handed catch. And then you know Kirk Cousins, he just built that rapport with with um, Kyle Rudolph, and that's why they signed him to a major contract uh, this offseason that they brought him back in. Um, Stephon Diggs, um, he was getting pretty emotional during this game, I would say. He had two receptions, 19 yards. And, you know, from he thinks he is very, very talented. And I, I, he is very, very talented. And there was, you know, rumors earlier this season that he would probably want to request a trade or probably by the trade deadline they would get rid of him. And he just gets very emotional when he doesn't get the ball. A lot of wide receivers are like that, and we can name a couple like Odell and, you know, 
maybe Antonio Brown if he was back in the league, but he's not in the league. But he's 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 a guy like that, you know. And there's a lot of mouths to feed too. And I mean, whatever works because they were up in this game and he was still very upset. What did you think of his mindset in this game and you know the Vikings overall? I guess. Yeah, I mean, I feel like obviously when you're in that kind of role when you're playing in the playoffs, you want to produce and you want to get any opportunity you possibly can because the playoffs are not guaranteed for anybody. I mean, I know in the past there's been dynasties, you know, like the Patriots where the playoffs are basically expected for them. And and if they miss it, it's almost like there's something wrong, but for every other team out there, anything can happen. So you really want to make the most of every opportunity that you've got. And I know that it's not a great look because as you mentioned, you know, Odell and and AB, I wouldn't say that if you're comparing personalities, that's a uh, a positive thing to be comparing him in a category with them. Um, especially with the problems with AB on and off the field and why he's not in the league right now. Yeah. But um, I, I definitely think that he he's just trying to get that opportunity. And I mean, I know it looks very bad. And I know that he should just be excited that the team is doing well and they were up at that point. Um, but I, I just feel like at the end of the day, it, it's, it's just something that, I mean, again, I didn't hear him talk after the game. I didn't know much about anything after the game but I just saw him in the game getting frustrated. Um, I mean, it's just not its just not a good look regardless of who it is. You could be anybody. I mean, literally any player in the NFL, it's just not a good look regardless of who you are. Even if you're considered to be one of the better receivers in the league, it's just not a great look. And um, I, I just feel like they, there was a picture, I don't know if you saw it, where Sean Payton was going at the end of the game to give him a, a handshake and, and – Diggs was out there celebrating in front of him, almost mocking him. Yeah, he was doing the um, Teddy Bridgewater uh, little yeah, and, bike and dance what I there. Ended up seeing, yeah, what I ended up seeing later on was that that was blown up, blown out of proportions way more than what everybody was saying. It was, um, yeah. it showed that It showed that he was just celebrating at the moment, and then he stopped and went over and shook his hand and walked away. So it was just, you know, the, the media took that shot, and it was just completely taken out of context. Um, so I feel like that also kind of fed into him having an attitude during that game because it showed that, you know, oh, he he was complaining the whole game and he didn't produce, but he's the first one to go out and, and talk and mock somebody. Um, but that proved not to be the case. So I feel like that, that you know, good it's a good thing that that was looked into more and found out that that is not – he was not mocking Sean Payton in any way. Uh, he, he was not just, you know, right in front of him with Sean Payton up to him trying to give him a handshake and – just walking away and mocking him. Um, but yeah, it's, it's still just the moral of the thing. It's just not a good look. He just, he, he let his emotions get the best of him. And I know it happens in an opportunity like that, but you just gotta, you really just have to, to cut, cut it down. And I mean, I hope within the next round, he's, he's a little bit more calm and collected. Cause you know, they won. So he's Whether he's really got to he keep was, it together going to the next round because listen, if you the Saints secondary isn't good like at all, like their run stuff is really good yeah. and a bunch of other other aspects of their defense is very solid as well. But you know the 49ers are very good against the pass and they're also very good against the yeah. run. So put those two together and what do you get? It's going to be a tough tough day for that offense. And we're going to have to see how they game plan around that. But if you can't keep it together against Janoris Jenkins and you know whoever else was there, I forgot they they started. I think was Eli Apple playing this game? I don't even remember. No, he was not. He, no, he not wasn't. Played. I remember, right? He was. He was. Uh, he was hurt. But again, he like Janoris, if we're if we're getting annoyed at Janoris Jenkins and other guys, I mean, I don't know who exactly who he was being covered by, because um, 
Again, the way they have him on screen, if he's not getting the ball, they're really not going to show him all that much. And they just were showing his emotional side um, on the sideline and everything like that. So that's really where I got the, where I got the idea from. But, you know, yeah. he's got to keep it together going into the next round, man. Because, again, that, that Niners team is, is tough. Definitely. So let's jump into the Saints a little bit, too. Very interesting offense that they had here. And um, there's a lot of times where they just couldn't get anything going. And it was just tough to watch. But Drew Brees, 26 for 33, 208 yards, a touchdown, and a pick. And he also had that fumble um, right before half, right? Or was it uh, – no, right, not at the end of oh, the no, game. No, fourth fourth quarter. Fourth quarter. Yeah, end of the game. Yeah, yeah, end of the game. Not at the end of half. That's not what I meant. Um but Taysom Hill leading the team in rushing, that's where this this all kind of went downhill here because they can't get anything going on the ground. But that's been the story of their offense for the past couple weeks now because Alan Kamara has not had a great season. and He just can't, couldn't get anything going on the ground. Whenever Latavius Murray would come in, like he had the same amount of yards as he did with less carries, with two less carries. And it's like I see Latavius Murray having a be- – like like he's more elusive when like with that offense for some reason. Like remember when Alvin Kamara would be hurt and they would sit him out, they bring Latavius Murray in, he would get like two touchdowns yeah. on the ground and this and that so I don't know I don't know what's going on with Kamara I don't know how they're game planning with him I just don't get it but you bring in Taysom Hill he has four carries 50 yards and he also you know throws it throws a pass um you know way downfield towards I think the 10 yard line 20 yard line that set them set them up for a field goal and that put that put points up on the board for them as well and then he also had a receiving touchdown he, he was just all over the place but it just wasn't enough and I don't know what's going on with Alvin Kamara I really I don't think we really dove into that as much what do you think yeah, I mean, I I don't know if it's just with the injuries that they kind of wrote him off a little bit of the playbook because he was he was out for a little bit of time and he was in and out throughout the season. So I don't know if they kind of were looking at it as all right, we got to plan around this, and that's why you know they started feeding Michael Thomas more. Um, I mean, obviously he had an incredible season in terms. He got a ton of yard, a uh, ton of receptions. He actually broke the record. So you know he was very used and highly utilized in that offense. Um, but I feel like overall, no one really, even Latavius Murray, no one was really running in that offense. No, not at all. And I don't, and I don't know why that necessarily was the case. I don't know if it's just because, you know, the saints, they were winning these games and, and they were winning it with in, in by passing and kind of doing whatever they had to do based on that game. And it was working, but what it really came down to at this point was that they all they really had was Taysom Hill. That was really the highlight of their offense and yeah. really what kept them in the game. If he was not playing, that game would have been – I feel like it would have been more lopsided. I think so I, too. I, think- I, I definitely think Taysom Hill is a big part of that offense. But what's it going to give for them to, to you know, to make it to a Super Bowl? Like what, what, what do they have to do? Like is it just – like bad luck i'll never understand it like the minnesota miracle and then the no call and it was just a whole big thing this is a game they very much could have won and they didn't so it wasn't it was kind of like there was no outside forces here it was just a poor game by them what is it going to take for them to get into a super bowl drew Brees only has some time left man you know yeah i mean i just feel like i i was honestly i was very surprised by the outcome of this game i figured you know maybe it'd be a close game but I did not think that the Vikings were going to take them out. No. I really didn't. You have the Saints team that arguably looks better. You know, we've said the last three or four years they've made the playoffs. They're arguably looking better year after year after year. They're getting better and better and better. So, you know, you figure they had a better record, I think, this year than they did the year before, and they looked pretty good. And I was just thinking, all right, this, this is probably it. This is probably going to be the year that, uh, you know, they've been so close, and I feel like they, they finally figured it out. They have it. They know their mistakes that they've made, and uh, they're going to get get through it. And especially playing a home game against 
the the Vikings where you're heavily favored and, and you lose that, it's just not. I feel like it's a step in the wrong direction at that point. Yeah, I think so too. Liz, Michael Thomas, seven receptions, seventy yards. Um, we've always—I feel like we've always seen the number one hundred, maybe plus that, and then also another touchdown. So they kind of kept him on lock as well. I was nervous for the Saints. Um, I mean, I wasn't really nervous for the Saints. I was nervous for the Vikings and their secondary because, listen, um, uh, Rhodes has not had a, had a great year whatsoever. So I thought yeah, they're going to torch him in this game. But it turns out that wasn't the case. Jared Cook had five receptions, 54 yards. Um, Taysom Hill had the two receptions, 25 yards, and the touchdown as well. Alvin Kamara gets going in the passing game. Sure, eight receptions, 34 yards. It's not going to do much for you. Um, it was just... It was just that Vikings defense really kept them secured there because that Saints defense can only do so much, and that Saints defense is very, very good against the run. They got a, little, a lot of pressure, um, but I just, you know, looking at this game, it was like I don't know. The Vikings just had their number, and that's what I noticed all game. I feel like they were always three. The Saints were always three and out. Every time I, tur- I turned around, it was just I wasn't sure how they're going to come out on top in this game, and they went into overtime. I thought that was their last and final chance, but I feel like the momentum kind of slipped when, especially. Um, you know, when Drew Brees lost that fumble so close to scoring, it was just a very big letdown there. But, you know, when they had that second chance um, to to do something in overtime, you just saw the same thing again. It was like they can't get anything going, and the Vikings took advantage. So, you know. Yeah, I mean, there was just – I feel like there was just poor poor coaching. And I know it sounds strange because Sean Payton is such a highly respected coach. But I feel like, you know, the last two – seasons last year they had the uh the loss in the championship game against the rams and there was that notorious no call uh but but a lot of people argued that they shouldn't even have been in that situation they shouldn't have passed when they were so close to the two-minute warning and they were uh, essentially could have put the game away they should have been running the ball and uh sean payton went out there and really didn't run the ball at all that that at that point and then they led to that and then the field goal and obviously you know how how the uh outcome of that game ended but even here when when they were in certain situations, like they did not know how to handle the, the play clock. They weren't calling timeouts. They were, they were passing in times they should have been running. It, it, they just seemed out of sorts. And I don't know really what it is because they, they weren't outside of their element. They were at home. They yeah. had the team exactly where they wanted yep. them. They wanted to be home. And yes, it sucks that they ended up not getting that first round bye. But at that point you have to live with it and you have to beat the team that you're, you basically should have been. And I know, like, you know, it's, you can't really say, oh, well, you should beat a team. I know it's hard to see NFL. Every team has a chance. But this is a game that they definitely, I think, should have won. I know it's hard to say that, but especially with all the elements, with the way that they played all season, and they had Michael Thomas, who has been having a great season, um, you know, breaking records. And, and they had a home game, which is what they wanted. They wanted that home field advantage. They wanted that first round bye. They didn't get it. They at least got the home game and just didn't perform. And it's just... I feel like there's going to be a hard, hard offseason for them. And uh, if if they really want to get Drew Brees back to that Super Bowl, I feel like they're going to have to make some adjustments, not just in terms of, of players. I feel like the coaching, they're going to need to really sit down and then put it together in terms of a coaching unit as well. Yeah, change the formula. You know, like you bring, you got a guy like Taysom Hill who's making all these plays for you. Like, fantastic. Look, you finally have a, a different, you know, approach to winning games using Taysom Hill but what else you know like you had Alvin Kamara and now he's not having a great year you have to have him have a better year 
you know, next year to really get things going because then you could put Taysom Hill in and you could work things out there and maybe get some other guys involved in some other things. I feel like it's really been the same thing other than having Taysom Hill in there because we know Michael Thomas is dominant. We know Drew Brees can be dominant when healthy. Again, he had that issue um, with his thumb earlier this year or with his hand and, you know, he finally came back healthy and it was if, you know, nothing happened because Teddy Bridgewater was in there. But what else can you do with this offense that's going to put you over the top? You know, you could blame all these other things and you can blame the no call. You can blame the Minnesota Miracle and all in the refs whatever you need to do but not having that first round by going into this game you have to be prepared because people are watching and they know exactly what you're playing for i i said it myself they're out for blood so i figured they would be unstoppable heading into the super bowl but uh, that's just i don't know they, they got to do something different but not, not you know not, not too far off from what they're doing already because they're doing a fantastic job i think sean payton is a phenomenal coach and he's going to continue to be and you know, you know, maybe they sign Antonio Brown. They do this and they do they do something. I, I don't know, but something's going to change. Yeah. It's going to put them over the top a little bit. But they just got to come through in these wild card rounds, or when they get that first round by going into the next round, you just you have to secure the win, no matter what it takes. Yeah, and I mean, as you mentioned, you know, they're they're not that far off. They just need to make little tweaks. They don't need to do something like what the Browns had to do, maybe like this year, or the last year, where they're trying to completely rebuild a whole team around because they had an 0-16 season, and now they're trying to get a winning season, make the playoffs. You don't have to start from scratch. You have the players. You have the, the coaching unit. You have everything you need. You just need to make minor tweaks. And, you know, you have the whole season to do that. So I just I feel like they they just it's, – it's not going to be impossible for them to get far, but they, they need to make little minor tweaks, and, and I think they'll, they'll be all right. So – I just saw this. This was tweeted an hour ago. Kyle Rudolph tweeted um, to someone that was, you know, mentioning it to him. You probably already heard this, but it looks like someone sold your gloves from the Saints playoff game on eBay already. Hope they didn't uh, deceive you for a quick buck. Um, Kyle Rudolph's um, playoff gloves uh, from the Saints game was sold for $375.50. And Kyle Rudolph said, I just saw this. It's disappointing. A member of the media in the locker room after the game asked if he could use my gloves for a charity benefit. So I said, of course, I will even sign them for you. Well, he got me sold on eBay three days later. That's awful. (laughs) That's awful. Yeah, that really is awful. I mean, you you have players out here that are trying to help everybody possible. I mean, then you have some of these guys that are like jerks that everybody says, oh, like they won't give anything out or they don't want to talk to the media or they don't want to talk to fans. But things like this make that happen. The, the fans are the reason that, that players fall into that situation. I'm sure that, the, that some of the players that are a little harsher to some of the fans and some of the, the other you know medias, I'm sure that they're not doing that to be reckless or to be rude. I'm sure that they had a bad experience or something went on and, and you know they just didn't – they don't want to be – Put have their name thrown into that unnecessary attention, and, and it's just unfortunate that he was trying to to do something for a good cause, and they kind of re- went back on their word, and, and that's just that's a sad. Well, I'm looking. I'm looking at the replies, and apparently the guy that sold them said, "I'm the guy who bought them. I will gladly donate to a charity of your choice." And Kyle Rudolph said, uh, "Really cool if you donate to um, the Meridian Health. I think it's a it's the it's a children's hospital in, in Minnesota." Um, mm-hmm. and we'll greatly appreciate it, and we'll make sure you get a pair from this weekend's game. Um, so I thought that was pretty cool. The guy who bought it for $300, uh, you know, pulled through and is going to donate to charity. Um, but yeah, anything else you want to add on this game? Because I got a lot to say on this Titans Patriots game. 
Go right to the Titans Patriots. I'm ready. So I went a little bit out of order and I went right to the next day. It's because I think the way Google has it laid out for me, I went right with what it was showing me. But Titans and the Patriots were the prime time game after the Texans and the Bills game. This game ended 20 to 13. Tennessee Titans upset the New England Patriots, who are playing a wild card weekend for the first time in the past couple years, and they did not pull through with the victory. And I just had this thought in the back of my head: this this can't be happening because I just didn't understand how the how the Patriots just didn't come to play. Like you know, I, I think they had a, a lot of opportunities here to win. Um, and it just it just it just didn't pull through. I didn't see Tom Brady do anything special in this game. He had no touchdowns through the air. You know, Sonny Michelle didn't have a lot of yards on the ground. You know, James White has been written off for the past couple you know weeks now in the regular season. Um, it's just they, they've had a down later season, I would say, because I, I get the the thing. It was true that early in the season they're versing a bunch of dud you know dud teams, and they just had nothing. You know they had nothing to work with against the Patriots, and the Patriots had a, had a very solid defense, and I still think they're a solid defense with the weapons that they had, and they didn't come out with the victory here. Um, what'd you think of this game? It was also in Foxborough, so that that's, that makes it even even sweeter for people who don't like the Patriots for sure. Yeah, I mean, um, I was looking at it, and and I didn't expect the uh, I didn't expect the Patriots to really go to the Super Bowl this year. They weren't a favorite in my eyes, but I just didn't see them losing in the wild card because. As you mentioned, you know, to be exact, 2009 was the last time they played a wild card game. So insane. You know, about 10 That's years crazy. Ago, exactly. That that was the last time that they played a wild card game. And you know, I I just expected, all right, they're going to win a wild card game. And then once they get past that, I figured, all right, it's going to be a little bit harder. And then and I was basically writing off this game. And I said, you know, I, I think the Titans they, they have they might have a little bit of a shot, but uh, everything kind of has to go right for them. And I said, you know, Derrick Henry kind of has to have the game of his life. Because if Derrick Henry has the game of his life, that offense is going to be on the field for a long time, and they're going to cut Brady out in terms of giving him chances to go down the field and win the game, or uh, you know score in terms of that. Um, and, and I knew that that you know the, the, the Patriots defense has been doing very well, whether it's because they played a bunch of crappy teams at the beginning of the season, or they really weren't coached well. Whatever people, it's up to their interpretation on why the uh, defense was was doing well. But I was just very surprised by this outcome. Um, the one good thing that I will say is I'm happy for Derrick Henry because I feel oh, like yeah. Derrick Henry was having – I feel like he was having like a, a quiet good year and no one was really putting respect on his name. It was more of uh, – you know, people were talking about McCaffrey or Nick Chubb or Saquon, like other guys like that. And Derrick Henry was he, – he ended up leading the league in rushing yards. He had a ton of touchdowns on the ground. Um, even though he's not more of a, he's not a, really a dual threat. He can't, he's not really a big pass catcher. No, not league, at all. But he was putting out crazy numbers and, and having crazy yards, crazy touchdowns. And he wasn't getting too much attention. Um, and then he went out on, on a primetime game, a night game against the Patriots where they were written off. And he had an insane game. He had over 200 scrimmage yards in total. And I, I believe uh, one or two touchdowns. I can't remember to be exact. I think one. And, uh, you know, people are talking more about him now. And I saw some more posts about him, and and I'm happy for him because I feel like he deserved that recognition, and he just wasn't getting it, and he got he, he finally got that chance to to pull through and show America in a prime time game against the Patriots. I am legit. I I am a good receive a uh, good running back. I'm I should be talked about, and and he went out and did it. And now he, his name is being thrown around a little bit more. I knew going into this game, no one was going to stop Derrick Henry on the ground. There was just no way. No shot they were going to do anything with Derrick Henry. 34 carries, 182 yards, and a touchdown. I think I texted our group chat. I said he was going to get like 200 yards and two touchdowns. I was very close for the most part, I would you say. Are. 
<laughs> thought I was gonna get it. Um, the only thing I did, I there's this narrative now that the you know at least I made the narrative before, but and a lot of people were saying the same thing. You know, before the outcome of this game was don't fall into the trap that the Patriots in the playoffs are, you know, are, are a team that could lose at any moment. I definitely thought that. But I didn't think the Titans were going to come in this hard on a road game with a team that, you know, brought in a new quarterback in the middle of the season, you know, a running back that's, you know, we know who's talented and is actually putting money where his mouth is and, you know, have a rookie wide receiver that's up and coming now who didn't have much of an impact in this game and A.J. Brown. But, you know, they they pulled through 20-13 to 13 and they're moving on to the next round. Um, I'm sure they're very excited about that. I'm, I'm hyped for Derrick Henry also. Ryan Tannehill only completed eight passes and still came out with the victory here I think that just that within itself already goes to show you that maybe this Patriots dynasty is falling apart a little bit you know after the game Tom Brady did say he still has more to prove and he's not done yet so I didn't really expect him to retire either who knows if he'll be on the same team I think he will I think everyone's just going to overthink this whole thing just because they lost that everything's going to fall apart um but I, I don't know. I, I think that they'll find a way to put this together. It's just this isn't their year, and and I think that's 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 it. Really, I don't I don't know. What do you think? Do you think this is the end of the line for the Patriots here? Like you know, is Tom Brady nearing the end, or like what? You know, I they need to improve at wide receiver. That that's one thing, and people can keep throwing that in there. But you know, Tom Brady didn't have too good of a season either, regardless. So I don't know. What are, what are your thoughts on this whole Patriots narrative now? Yeah, I mean, in terms of where people are saying Tom Brady, they don't think he's going to stick around with the Patriots. Uh, they think he's going to go somewhere else. I'm not quite sure. Nothing is really leading me towards that, that decision to believe that that's going to happen. I think that's more of the media really kind of hoping and everybody else hoping that he goes somewhere else so that that dynasty is done. Because honestly, for as long as we've been alive, the Patriots have been good. So it's kind of one of those things to where everybody around, if you're not a Patriots fan, you're kind of waiting for them to fall you're waiting for that team to just collapse and, and come back to life and almost be human again and uh you know everybody's waiting for that so i feel like that's partially why everybody's looking at oh where's he gonna go they don't think he's gonna stick around i think it's more of a, a self like they're, they're looking within and they're hoping that he goes away they don't really have much facts um so in terms of that i i don't i don't know if he's necessarily going anywhere yet um and then and then with that dynasty i feel like one of the main reasons that the Titans took him down was because Mike Vrabel's their head coach. He played with them for so long. I believe he, he I believe he won a Super Bowl with them. Um, he, he's very close with Belichick. He he knows how that team plays, and I feel like that has a huge factor because I, I believe a year or two ago they played as well, and the Titans pulled out the win also. And at the time, they didn't even have Tannehill at, or AJ Brown, and Derrick Henry was not nearly as big as he is in terms of reputation at that point in time. So. I, I don't. I believe you know the players had to, obviously had to have some sort of impact because they're the ones that ended up winning that game. But Rabel knows that team very well, so I feel like that also was a huge contributor to why they ended up beating the Patriots. I, I don't think the this is the end for the Patriots. I think they'll maybe you know maybe they won't be a shoe in to get a first round buy anymore because in the past the AFC has not been as loaded in my opinion as the NFC. I believe the NFC has had better competition recently and now it's the, the AFC, opposite now you know, it's the opposite the nfc is awful. exactly so <laughs> yeah so so i believe that now that the afc is kind of pre preparing and producing a lot better talent than in the past i believe that that's going to be a little bit harder for brady and the patriots um so they have a little bit more of a challenge than they have in the past but um i i don't think 
I don't think they're going to, you know, miss the playoffs or, or go into like a downward spiral. I just don't know if that first round bye is now necessarily going to be a given to them anymore. But I think they'll still make the playoffs. I think they could still win that division. Um, I don't. I don't think it's a complete downward spiral. I, th- I think they'll be okay. Yeah, I don't think so either. That's another trap you sh- no one should fall into. That's just something everyone's excited to see. They, they're ready to see the Patriots just fall to into this black hole of nothing while this division finally puts it together where you have a, Je- a young Jets team, a young Bills team, a young Dolphins team, you know, new head coach that was under the Patriots, you know, uh, like just a year ago. But the thing was with Mike Vrabel, he's never, I think he's set aside from the other Patriots head coaches that, you know, Bill Belichick has gone against. Like, you know, they just lost to the Dolphins um, under Brian Flores. You know, they, they lost to... You know, the Lions a little while back under Matt Patricia under his first year, but my thing is with Mike Vrabel, he never coached for the Patriots. He's only played under them, so it's not like I don't think any of that Correct. really factored into that. Um, he does know the team well. I think he's, he's he's very well coached because like he knows how to coach is what I mean, but he did like what did you think of the in the in the game where they were purposely you know drawing flags and delay of games on a punt to to bring the clock far back as as far back as it can so they had no chance of coming back which is a great idea because you can't give Tom Brady and the Patriots one minute to go downfield they know exactly what they're going to do with your with your defense and how exactly how they're going to get downfield to score and they only gave them around like what 11 seconds and they ended up picking them off <laughs> like uh, Tom Brady off um I think I like the one yard line it was like a great it was a it was it was very exciting to watch because it's like the Patriots did that earlier on in the season against the Jets and they kind of pissed off Adam Gase on Monday night and it was just like a blowout game and now here's Mike Vrabel doing it in the playoffs. Um, so you definitely see the similarities there. Um, I just think Mike Vrabel is a very, very good coach and I think he's going to have a lot of fun with this offense moving forward with Derrick Henry and Ryan Tannehill because I think they're going to bring him back on a deal. Um, I think that's no question at that point. So I'm not sure what they're going to do with Marcus Mariota, but... Um, it, at the end of the day, I think Rabel outcoached, you know, Bill Belichick. But there's also not much Bill Belichick can do on offense. If Sonny Michelle is going to get going, um, you know, you can't keep going to Edelman all the time. It's just not going to work. And you threw, you know, second in receiving was Benjamin Watson, who was in first. It was James White. So nothing's getting going there. You can't. Nikhil Harry's his first year. He's getting. He's not going to win a Super Bowl his first year unless everything's clicking on all cylinders. Mo Sanu has been a disappointment ever since she was brought in there. So maybe you, as a Falcons fan, did luck out there, um, and you know maybe you could you know redeem yourself with guys like Calvin Ridley and Julio Jones in that offense as it all comes together, knowing that maybe a guy like Sanu. Like going to the Patriots wasn't going to help them in any way, shape, or form, and you know that's just that's the gist of their offense. Do you think what's going to fix the Patriots? Do they need to bring in two more stud wide receivers? Do they what exactly needs to be done? Because I think that's what everyone's pointing to is that their wide receivers weren't so great, but I don't think their ground game was so great all year either because Sony Michelle wasn't very you know consistent on the ground as he was last year. Um, I think it's the I think it's the wide receiver group, but at the same time, I, I don't know. I think Tom Brady needs to build that rapport that he usually does with his wide receivers, like Julian Edelman, and like he did back in the day with Danny Amendola. But he has to do that with some of these guys. I know they're young, and some of them, you know, are have are their first year on the team. You know, Dorsett's been on the team for a little bit, but he's not gonna, you know, shine as as much as people think he's going to. But I don't know. I'm kind of speechless at this when they when they first lost I, I wasn't even know what to think I was just like this is going to be a very interesting playoff uh playoffs moving forward but what what needs to be improved yeah I mean I think uh you know there's been jokes and I'm sure you've heard and I'm sure 
people that are listening as well have heard this joke, but it's kind of under the uh, the aura that, you know, oh, well, you, uh, Belichick doesn't want to pay anybody, so he lets him go, and he doesn't really need him because he could take a guy from Foot Locker, bring him in, and make him a wide receiver. Um, and I feel like, you know, for a while that was true. They didn't really – it didn't really matter who they had because they did have some some good players and good receivers in the past. But he also Brady also made players great as well. So you could bring somebody in like an Edelman or like an Amendola. So I'll use Amendola for example. He was doing well with the Patriots. He was looked at as a great receiver with them. He goes away and and now he isn't really talked about anymore. So it seemed to be more of the Patriots kind of made him a better receiver. He wasn't necessarily looked at as a great receiver. The Patriots kind of made him that. And uh, that's not to say he's not a good receiver, but I feel like the Patriots kind of made him an even better receiver by putting him with Tom Brady and putting him in that offense. Um, I just I feel like that's no longer the case. I feel like there, you know, you saw when Nikhil Harry when he became healthy, they struggled to get him into that offense. Yeah, they had and no idea what to do with him. But the the fact that they got rid of Josh Gordon is still mind boggling to me. Maybe they knew something was exactly. going to happen with his suspension, but they they could have used him for sure. Exactly, and they got rid of him, and they brought in Mohamed Sanu, and uh, you know, my speculation on why Mohamed Sanu is not really capitalizing on his opportunity with the Patriots is not because he's not a great receiver, but his last two teams that he's been with, he's been with the Bengals, and then he came to the Falcons. And the two guys that he's been playing behind are A.J. Green and Julio Jones, who are looked at as one of the better receivers in the league. He's now looked at as one of the better receivers on that team, where you, know, you have Edelman, but Edelman, I wouldn't say, is at the same caliber as an A.J. Green or Julio Jones. Um, so when you throw when you throw somebody in that offense, you throw Sunu in that offense with Julian Edelman, he's obviously not going to be getting Edelman's not going to be getting, I would say, as much attention or as much game planning for as a Julio Jones or AJ Green because all three of those receivers are great receivers and they're they're threats, but they're threats in different ways. I feel like AJ Green and Julio Jones are big bodied receivers. They're deep threats. They're they're not really you know they're, they're gonna they're gonna outbeat they're gonna beat you down the field. Whereas Edelman is more of the, uh, he's a shorter route kind of guy. He will go deep, but he's more of that shorter route kind of guy. And Sanu was really like benefiting from the other receivers getting that main recognition. And he has great hands. He's a great route runner. He's a great receiver. But he got put into an offense where he was trying to be utilized more. And he was looked at as more of that main target. And I feel like he's never had that before. So uh, getting put in that situation is just it's a little bit different for him. And it's something that he's going to have to adjust to. Definitely. Um, let's not forget, you know, a big factor in, into this, you know, this win here for the Titans was their defense. And if the fact that Logan Ryan got the last interception towards the end of the game to seal the deal, um, it was kind of icing on the cake, I would say there. Um, of course. They played really well against the run, really well against the pass. Um, and, and, you know, a lot of people may say, you know, Julian Edelman on that, you know, their last drive there, if he didn't drop that third and five or whatever, where he was kind of, you mm-hmm. know, doing a little out route towards the sideline. Um, past the first down marker, and maybe if they would have been a different story, but I don't know. Uh, this Titans defense was the story in this game, along with Derrick Henry and a bunch of other people as well. Um, you know, definitely kudos to the Titans here for sure. Moving on to the next round against the Ravens. Uh, so you know, who knows? <laughs> Anything could happen. Um, but we're gonna have to see what what uh, you know what happens in that game as well. Because again, it's. It's been a little bit since we've seen the Ravens play, but uh, you know, I, from what I've heard, Mark Ingram is still making his way back. I heard he hasn't practiced the last couple of days, so you know, a lot of weaknesses there as well. So it's anyone's ball game, but you know, I, I guess you really can't write off the Titans either because if the Patriots move on to this next round and they played as poorly, poorly as they did and somehow came out with a victory, I wouldn't be as confident in them against the Ravens on Saturday 
as I would the Titans. I think the Titans have a very solid chance here. Yeah, and I mean, uh, you know, I know we'll be briefing the game in a little bit, but yeah. just to, to point out, you know, you mentioned Mark Ingram's been out a little bit. I know he's been dealing with an injury, but uh, I, I guess, you know, if you have to take any positives out of that, Dalvin Cook was also dealing with an injury, and he came out of the game in New Orleans, and he looked fresh. He looked like a yeah. brand-new running back. So I feel like, you know, if there's any positives, Ingram is going to be in that same boat. He's going to come off. He had a bye week. He was off the last week. He's been, you know, trying to, to work out this injury. He's going to be fresh. So I feel like if you look at any positives from him not practicing for a little while, I feel like you can look at it as, all right, he's not going to be this banged-up running back that's been putting the team on his back. You know, Derrick Henry's coming out and putting up great numbers, but you can't tell me that he's not going to be banged up a little bit. He's not going to be tired. It's going to happen. I feel like Mark Ingram is, this is beneficial to him because he's going to come out here and and really be be fresh, just like you saw Dalvin Cook when he played against New Orleans. Right. All right, so let's jump into this last game here, Wild Card Weekend. It was the Seahawks um, going into Lincoln Financial um, against the Philadelphia Eagles. And they and the Seahawks came out on top 17-9. to Big story of this game here was that Carson Wentz got hurt with a concussion, didn't come back into the game. Josh McCown took over, and that's where things kind of fell downhill there. I, Josh McCown had a pretty solid, you know, pretty solid outing coming in, but knowing that the number one guy, the guy that you paid this offseason, is not going to come back into the game, that wasn't a good look um, for the Eagles, and I think that was a moment where the Seahawks could really take over there. And I mean, very low scoring for the most part. Again, it was 17-9 um, going into halftime. It was 10-3 Seahawks, um, so it was anyone's game going into halftime as well, especially in the third quarter. The Seahawks put up another seven um, to the Philadelphia Eagles to six, and no one scored in the fourth, which is kind of where I shut off the game there because I didn't really see much of a shot for the Eagles to come back here. Why does Carson Wentz keep getting injured in the playoffs? Is this like what's going on? I don't know. Is it, I think it's just bad luck for the most part. Yeah, I mean, I was going to say this one wasn't his fault. I mean, I don't think no, the ACL tear or any other pro, any other injuries. Those aren't really his fault. He's no. not doing anything wrong. Um, but but this is just one of those things where he's just going out to make a play. And some people are saying it was a dirty hit by Clowney. Some are saying it wasn't. Some are just saying it was a football game. Yeah, they're reviewing that play, play now, so I don't, I, we're going to have to stay tuned on the results there. Yeah, so, I mean, regardless of, of whether it was dirty or not, he got hit from behind. His head hit the ground. You could tell that he was wincing in pain. Not his fault. He, it's not like, you know, he was doing something reckless. No. And and he, he got hurt. No, he, he went out there and he tried to make a play, a routine play. Most quarterbacks do it if they're – a mobile quarterback. He just got hit the wrong way and uh, ended up getting a concussion. And I mean, it, I, I believe it's just unlucky, as you mentioned. It's it's just unfortunate. And um, I don't know. I mean, one thing that I'm going to add before we get any more in-depth, which I found very, very strange because I just happened to come across it, was that the Seahawks and the Eagles ended up playing each other during the regular season yeah. the, this, this year. And the score was the exact same. <laughs> yep. <laughs> I don't know, that man. That is just weird. The, the Seahawks won the exact same score. I feel like whenever the the Seahawks versus like the Eagles or the Cowboys, like like last year, I feel like that the, they're always pretty close games for the most part. Like even Vegas wasn't sure what to do. It turned like after the Seahawks lost to the Niners, they made they made the Seahawks underdogs by a lot. I even picked the Seahawks plus uh, yeah, th- I do. plus I, three. I remember that? Yeah. I took them plus three because I was watching the odds and I'm like, what's going on here? And then after that, it was the Eagles favored by a little bit, and then after that, the Seahawks were favored, and then it was a pick 'em before kickoff. So it was kind of like even Vegas had no idea what what was going on. Uh, but ba- back to Carson Wentz a little bit. 
Um, the reason I asked what was going on is because now it's going to be the narrative of his career until he goes any farther in the playoffs um, or has a solid regular season where they're just like, oh, he's going to be injured again going into the playoffs. Everyone's just going to make a meme out of it pretty much. That's the only reason why. But it's just unfortunate, like you mentioned before. I mean, luckily they did come out with that Super Bowl win a little while ago due to the fact that, you know, Nick Foles, you know, secured that for him. But, you know, they ended up paying the guy that they wanted to keep, which was... Carson Wentz and you know Nick Foles turned elsewhere and got paid there and it's not working out so well for him um yeah it was just it was just a shame to see that because I wanted to see Carson Wentz play in this game and um you know the the Eagles the you know with Carson Wentz he's had a pretty solid year for the most part because none of his wide receivers like I think they didn't go past 500 yards like receive like receiving or anything like that and he still had over like 4,000 yards passing or something some stat like that yeah, I mean, he's a big tight end guy, but uh, away from that, there were also a lot of their receivers were in and out throughout the season with injuries. So he didn't get to really get that, build that really good relationship with one or two guys because depending on the week, he might not have had any of them. So yeah. I feel like that's really the main reason that the receivers did not get a, a, a ton of yards in terms of for the overall season. Yeah, you know, Zach Ertz pulled through with that rib injury. He probably shouldn't have played at all, but he pushed through. Uh, Miles Sanders, 14 carries, 69 yards. Boston Scott, six carries, 25 yards. Again, Jordan Howard was not present in this game either, so I'm not sure what they're going to do with him. Um, Josh McCown had 18 completions, 24 attempts, 174 yards. I'm sure he was not expecting to play this game at all either. He was very emotional after the game because this might be the end of the line for him. They brought him back out of retirement, basically, to be the backup. Um, so who knows what's next for him, really. Um, but for the Seahawks, um, you have Russell Wilson, 18 completions, 30 attempts, 325 yards, and a touchdown. Um Marshawn Lynch uh, gets a touchdown with only six carries, seven yards. Again, they only signed him for the remainder of the of the uh, for the remainder of the playoffs. So uh, maybe this is kind of just a temporary thing for him. But you know, if he's getting the touchdowns, it's working because um, you can't run the ball with you know Travis Homer too much. But he has been active, so they're going to give him eleven carries, which they did. DK Metcalf had a phenomenal game. It was pretty much his show for the most part. Seven receptions, 160 yards, and a touchdown. He also had that you know, deep throw that he caught later in the game. Uh, Tyler Lockett, four receptions, 62 yards. David Moore, two receptions, 57 yards. Marshawn Lynch gets two receptions with 25 yards as well. Um, yeah, uh, for the most part, I would say the Seahawks really took advantage early on at half, and the fact that Carson Wentz wasn't going to come back. They took advantage of that even more and, and, you know, kept that lead as much as they could, which is going to advance them going into the next round against the Packers, which should be a tough game. Um, they have some history as well. I'm um, going back and forth back, in, you know, only a couple years ago. If you remember, Jermaine Kearse caught that game winning touchdown um, to go to the Super Bowl. Yeah, to send them to the Super Bowl. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, you know, maybe this could be an even closer game there, but. I don't know if I saw the Seahawks put up a couple more points. Maybe I could be convinced that you know they have they could have a solid game against the the Packers. But the Packers have had some questionable games later on in the season where it was kind of closer than you would think it was going to be. Like for example, um, the Packers and the Lions in, in weeks in in week seventeen. Um, that was a very very close game. Came down to the very end. The, Aaron Rodgers could have lost to David uh, David Blau. <laughs> And uh, he was he was playing this game, so there wasn't a lot of inactives. Aaron Jones was playing. Um, the Packers secured the division against the uh, the Vikings the week before that. Um, they it was they had a very close game against the Bears, and they only it was only a five point game against the Redskins. And the games before that, they were pretty much dominating. But it was like down the stretch with guys that were playing. Everyone is active. Um, I don't know. This could be a very close game. I don't I don't 
think the Seahawks should be written off here either. Again, there's a lot of teams that upset um, teams that should have been in the following round that maybe you can write them off for. So like the Ravens, you could you could write off the Titans. Maybe you can write off the Vikings against the Niners. You can write them off. You can write the uh, Texans off against the Chiefs. But I think specifically for the Seahawks and Packers, if all those games do become blowouts against the teams that advanced. I think this is the one game that's always going to remain close regardless. So I think them going into the next round, they should feel confident. I think there should be some, you know, changes to their play calling a little bit. I think they should make some adjustments, which they will, because, again, it is an NFL team. Pete Carroll is a phenomenal coach. And, um, yeah, I think it's it could still be a very close game going into the next round too. Yeah, I mean, uh, I don't know. You were, you were talking about Marshall Lynch before. And you're talking about DK Metcalf had a really good game, and I don't know if you heard the uh, I did the what, what Lynch had to say after, and he he basically they're like, oh like how like are you surprised or whatever that uh, DK Metcalf uh, you know had the game that he did, and uh, what 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 is so good about him? And he's like he's a big ass dude, and he makes plays like that. And then uh, the announcer's like, oh, uh, are you surprised that he could do that? And he's like, nope. He's like, nah. He still hates the media. And we didn't talk about this when it first happened. But do you remember when he first, when he was first? Uh, I think I don't know if it was like a press conference or something when he first got signed back. But they they were just like, hello everybody, merry new year. Um, you know, let's get it. And then he just like left. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, that, that was uh, I think it was the opening press conference with the team. Yeah. Merry new year. <laughs> <laughs> Can't be Marshawn Lynch, man. Love that, love that dude. People throwing skittles on the field and everything like that. Um, very exciting to watch for sure. Um, yeah, man. I don't have much. I don't have much else to add on this game. If Carson Wentz stayed in, maybe I'd have a little bit more of an analysis. But you know what? What else can Josh McCown do? Like you know, he's going to do everything he can to yeah. try to win the game. But he hasn't seen the field all year, and losing Carson Wentz is definitely a big loss on the Eagles' part for sure. Yeah, and I mean, just just one last point on this game. It's something that uh, that I guess you could say kind of I, – I feel personally that this is the case. I don't know if you feel the case, but I feel like it's very hard to hate Russell Wilson. And I feel like that showed after the game because he walked over to Doug Peterson and uh, he asked him, he's like, oh, uh, you know, how's Carson? Is he going to be all right? And, like, uh, yeah. you know, that, was the, that was the first thing that he brought up. So it, it shows, like, he's just such a nice guy. I yeah. mean, I know it's it's easier to be nicer. He, he he came out with the win, so I'm sure he's in a great mood. But that's not something that I, I feel like. Even if the the Seahawks lost, he still would have gone up and asked. It's yeah. not like oh, he's just happy because he won, and then that's why he's concerned. Like no, he actually is a concerned quarterback for another quarterback. He's not just doing it because they won, and he's he's excited and he's in a great mood. Yeah, and I'll say this now, and it wasn't because of that. Um, for the for the reason I'm going to bring up is is because. I Russell Wilson, I don't think a lot of people know this. He's my favorite player like in the league. And it wasn't for the reason you just mentioned. I just think he has all the intangibles you can think of in a quarterback. He has the heart. He, he has is he's like basically who every NFL scout, every analyst would draw like if you were to draw a quarterback right now who is great on all cylinders, maybe not in terms of height, because you know, Russell Wilson is considered one of the shorter quarterbacks in the league. They would probably mm-hmm. come up with a guy like Russell Wilson, like a guy who can you can run the ball. He could also pass very well, and the way he passes is, you know, when he throws deep balls, he throws like he skyrockets the ball so it can land specifically in his wide receivers' hands when they're in coverage, and it's so it lands in a particular spot. And we've seen that all year round. Um, and you know, just he's just an all around good dude. Like, what else can you say there? And he was in the running for MVP at one point, which kind of you know sealed the deal when Lamar Jackson just kept you know showing out but and that and you know as well as the you know the Seahawks losing games later on too kind of he kind of made him fall off but the, and over the past couple years 
he hasn't had the best offensive line, and the dude is still putting up numbers. It's just absolutely ridiculous to me. Favorite player in the league, 100%. I'm glad to see him advance. Um, yeah, I mean, uh, if, if we have to end this this game anyway, we have to pay tribute to Russell Wilson. We have to end it the way he would have ended it. And then we have to end it and say, go Hawks. Go Hawks. <laughs> A Seattle, go Hawks. <laughs> We'll see the Hawks go up against uh, the Packers going in, going in, uh, into Sunday. Um, so let's just preview a little bit. I don't want to get too in-depth because, you know, again, um, you know, we've talked a lot about these games already, and who knows what upsets are going to happen, so I don't want Again, just thinking about all the analysis I could have in my brain right now, it could all just not happen, and the other team can go away with it. So we'll kind of do a general preview as to, as to uh, what's going to happen this upcoming week. So we have... The Vikings and the Niners on Saturday at 4.35 p.m. What do you think of this game? Who's the winner? Give me your whole thing. See, I I think that the 49ers have this win. Yeah. Um, if I'm going to give the, the Vikings any shot at winning this game, uh, the, the, the chance I'm going to give them is that the 49ers have had history this season of having problems with turnovers and, you know, and I know for a game that comes to mind in specifics would be against the, uh, the Steelers. They had five turnovers in that game. They ended up coming out with a win, but they had five turnovers in that game. And I feel like, you know, they just were fortunate in the situation that Pittsburgh was in this year. And that's really what, what helped them pull out that win. They should not have won that game with five turnovers. Um, and I feel like they, they have a few games where they've had that. So I feel like if even if the Vikings get like two turnovers, for example, I feel like that's something that could keep the Vikings in the game because I feel like overall there, it shouldn't be the Vikings coming out with that win. It should be the 49ers. But I feel like if, you know, the 49ers have played sloppy throughout the season, they're, they're a near perfect team, but they haven't played near perfect every single game. Um, and I know it's very hard to play a consistently great like that. Um, Every team has slip-ups every once in a while, but I just feel like this is just one of those games, you know, similar to New Orleans. You saw what happened where, as we mentioned, Drew Brees fumbled the ball, and that that technically that that changed the whole outcome of that game. Yeah. Um. So I feel like the 49ers are are going to be in that same situation. You you gotta you gotta be careful because the Vikings are still nothing to lose. No one's expecting them to win this game, so they're going to go out there and and they're going to try to wreak havoc on this team. So I feel like the 49ers don't have to be perfect. But they just, you know, they can't be careless. Yeah, definitely not. So, definitely rooting, the, rooting for the Vikings in this game. I think that they could definitely have a solid game, especially defensively, like we mentioned. If you could take down the Saints, there's a there's a good solid chance that, you know, you could take down the Niners too because people were saying this could have been a battle to the Super Bowl if it was going to be um, the Saints and the Niners. But, you know, writing off the Saints now, um, the Vikings heading into, you know, heading into the Niners at home, you know, the Niners being at home, I think – they do. They still have a good chance, but I think the Niners have a lot of more, a lot more weapons and a lot more to use here. Because again, if the Saints can shut down Stephon Diggs, or if they just weren't looking to, or if the Vikings weren't looking for Stephon Diggs in the first place, they can contain guys like Adam Thielen. That that's a very good team, a very good secondary, and I think they can cover those guys. And I think where their their success is going to be is where it's been all season is Dalvin Cook. I think they're going to run him a lot in this game. Um, you know, I definitely think that they're going to gain some yardage there and they're going to get things moving. Um, I'm just not sure if Kirk Cousins is going to have it in him. If he had it against the Saints, he could have it here. 
Again, this is not a primetime game. It's at 4.35, you know, Eastern time for us. But I do think Kirk Cousins is going to write off that momentum that he had against the Saints. But I think the Niners are just they're just going to be too good against them. And I really don't want to write off the Vikings. I really, really don't. But I think, you know, the Niners, they're a lot more... Their playbook is open to a lot more things than the Saints were. Again, the Saints, like I mentioned before, they got to change the formula a little bit. Good, you have Taysom Hill. Good, like, you know, you can make things work with Michael Thomas, and, you know, Drew Brees is still good. But I feel like Kyle Shanahan has reinvented this 49ers team, and he's come from a lot of bad beginnings because when he was first hired, he had really nothing to work with. And then he loses Jimmy Garoppolo, so it's not a good thing to analyze him on. And now he has all his weapons now, and he's utilizing every single one. And he really hasn't failed up to this point, other than a couple games you've lost, and that's going to happen. But now it's a divisional round. They're playing for a Super Bowl. Um, let's see what happens. But I, I, I you know, we're, we're just going to have to see, man. I, I don't know what to think here, other than I think the Diners are going to win. Just by just by general football knowledge, I think what they have is better than what the Vikings have. Yeah, and I mean, you brought up coaching, and Shanahan has a huge history with being one of the the best offensive gurus in this league. He just finds ways to work with players. He, he distributes the ball. He finds a way to get everybody involved in the play. And you can see that throughout the season because they use three different running backs. If one of them isn't doing well, he just has another one. And he moves on to the other one if the other aren't doing well. He finds a way to just get the hot hand moving. And, you know, he has Kittle. Then they trade for Emmanuel Sanders. And that was a great fit. We've talked about that in the past. And, you know, that for in terms of receiver, like, and then, you know, you got Debo Samuel, who's a young guy. Jimmy Garoppolo is, is doing what he has to do. They're finding ways to work with what they have. And that's not to say that they don't have great talent, but they, they're just getting everybody incorporated into that offense. And it's kind of hard to game plan when you don't have that go-to guy. You know, as we mentioned with the Saints, their go-to guy was Michael Thomas. And he kind of, he didn't have an awful game, but he did not put up the numbers that he, he particularly was throughout the season. Um, so you figure if you try to shut down one guy, Shanahan will just go to the next guy and then go to the next guy. And I know it runs out after a certain point, um, but it makes it very hard to plan against a team like that because you know you have weapons and you know that they can go to anybody at any time and you can't double cover everybody. Yeah. Um, so, Titans-Ravens, what do we think here? Unfortunately, I think it's, it, I think it's going to be the Ravens. But there it's is one be. stat that I looked up. There's one stat, and it, it gives me – even an ounce of hope for the, the Titans. And that stat is that one of the games that they lost and nobody expected them to lose in the, in the season, and this was early on in the season, but they lost to the Browns. And I looked into this game, and I think one of the main reasons they lost to the Browns in that game is Nick Chubb went off. He had 165 rushing yards. And their time of possession was very, very close. So they, they were taking... Lamar Jackson out of his element and weren't letting him really do what he wanted to do. It was more, you know, structured and okay, we have to get the first down. We have to do this. It's not a laid back kind of game style where he's used to where, you know, he gets pressured and he kind of just runs around and then takes it for the first if he has to. If not, uh, he goes down and they, they kick a field goal, they pump, whatever the case. They the Browns put up a fight. The Browns were maintaining time of possession. They were running down the Ravens throat and that I feel like that that was, that was the, the kryptonite. That was the turning point for that game. And I know that they're not, they're not the same team. And I know that everybody has gone through the season and the Browns are a different team and the Titans are a different team than they were when they started. Same goes for the Ravens. But I feel like if, if you can look at that as one of the games that they lost was one of the top running backs in the league, 
went off and, and really pulled through for his team, that sounds very similar to the Titans. And, you know, I'm, again, I'm not saying that the Titans are going to win, but I'm trying to give an ounce of hope for the Titans. And I think if they have a shot at winning, that's what they're going to have to do. And, I mean, they did it against the Patriots, but I, I think that's the only shot they have. Well, I think the first thing is Ryan Tannehill is going to have to complete more than eight passes for sure to get past the, the Ravens. Definitely. 100%. So that's kind of, that's kind of a red flag for me. Um, you know, the fact that they can get past the Patriots and he, can only, he throws 13 times and completes eight, um, it's like, I don't know, that's going to have to be fixed going into prime time um, against the Ravens in their home. Um, you know, Derrick Henry, you can go get him going on the ground. I don't think anyone's going to be able to tackle him. You know, hear guys like Earl Thomas saying he's going to, you know, people are afraid to tackle him and we're not going to be. I don't know about that. I think he's just way, he's way too tough and he's very, he's good at gaining five yards, like immediately. Like he's averaging like five yards easily. Like the second he gets the ball, he's going, he's not going to be stopped at the line of scrimmage. That's just not the way he plays his game. And like, it's, it's just almost really hard to stop him on your first tackle. It's just not going to happen. Um, Ryan Tannehill, I think exactly. he's talented enough to take advantage of this defense, but he did look a little sloppy against the Patriots. Again, he only completed eight times, but he also threw an interception. So it, and that was very underthrown. So it's like some things need to be fixed here. Um, I think John Harbaugh and the way he's coaching Lamar Jackson to take advantage of the Titans' defense, I think it's going to be way too good. Um, I wouldn't even be surprised here if, the, if you know this becomes one of those the first playoff game that isn't going to be as close as it was before, and it could be an even bigger deficit than it was for any of the other games. I think there's a lot. There's a good chance a lot of these other games could be an even closer deficit. I think this might be the one that's like pretty a pretty almost for sure win for the Ravens if all goes well. And that doesn't mean the Titans don't have a chance, but a lot of red flags for me the fact that they were able to get past the Patriots on such limited, you know play calling at least offensively in the passing game Derrick Henry isn't going to be the answer here you know they're going to you're going to have they're going to force um Ryan Tannehill to pass um Derrick Henry is a great player but um I'm just not sure if that philosophy going into this game is exactly going to help you get past this divisional round against the Ravens yeah I mean it's going to be a very very hard game for them um I'm assuming no one's even giving them a shot as we mentioned you know people kind of writing them off I don't I would expect the Titans to pull out the win, but, I mean, hey, I didn't expect them to be the Patriots. So these playoffs are a strange, strange monster. That's all I can say. Right. So the Chiefs and the Texans, who you got? See, that that's a very interesting game. I That's a game that I don't, you know, I was talking to Mark about it, and he was talking to me, and, and, and as we've talked about with Mark in the past, he likes to bet. And the first, re- the first thing I had to say about this game before I even – said anything else i said do not bet on this game no because it's just one of those games that i feel like it can really go either way the line is moving right now for that game too so it's a little bit of that that's a game i think everyone should stay away from exactly there's no clear-cut winner and i feel like they both have very dynamic very showy very great quarterbacks so they're they're really boosting the the team up with that and uh i mean the texans defense with with jj watt they're kind of getting resurgent like they're getting a research from from having him in. Uh, the Chiefs' defense is, is not doing great, but they're not doing awful. Like they're they're I think they're very similar teams in the way that they're put together. Um, the, the Texans have a little bit of an issue in terms of the ground game. Uh, they they could pass very well. They have an, a dynamic quarterback, and I feel like the Chiefs are the same way on offense. Ever since Kareem Hunt has left, they really haven't had a clear cut running back. They haven't had that dynamic running back that could take over. Uh, when they need it. So I feel like in terms of offense, they're very, very similar. So I feel like it's going to be a very interesting game. 
and that's at Sunday at three o'clock. Um, it should be very interesting, but I think the Chiefs are good enough, and I think that's the one team no one's talking about. And they did get that first round bye from the Patriots because they did lose to the Dolphins. But I feel like the that's the one unmentioned team right now. I feel I, you know maybe maybe people are forgetting how this offense runs and how good they can be and how much of a threat they could be um, in these in these uh, playoff rounds here. But we're going to have to see. Um, but to be honest, I think the Chiefs are good enough. Again, watching the Texans and their offensive line get demolished like that all game, I just don't think that's that's going to be another factor in this game. I don't think that's going to help them as much. I think you know Deshaun Watson is going to have to run for his life again, and he's just going to get wrapped up over and over and over again in the backfield. And unless a miracle like that happens where the Bills let up and a team like the Bills let up and this could, maybe could happen in this game, I don't know. I don't think that's the case. Um, because of how you know dynamic that you know offense is for the Chiefs, I think they're just way too good. I think the, the Texans got there by the skin of their teeth, and I think this is going to be their wake up call here. And it's just you know good you got past that round, but this is where the big dogs are, and I think the Chiefs are going to win this game. Yeah, I mean you mentioned the, the, the Chiefs are a team that no one's talking about, and I feel like you know just just for an example, the uh, the Saints are out and the Patriots are out, and I feel like a lot of teams maybe not had them both going all the way, but I feel like they have them going very far. Oh, this so could be like an this the, could be an upset. This could be. Very much could be. Definitely. Definitely. And I feel like by by the Saints and the Patriots getting out in that first round, they were heavy favorites um to, to go. I know the Saints, for example, the Patriots were favorites to go far, maybe not in the Super Bowl, but they were you know, they had a good shot at that. The Saints were favorites to go all the way. Um and I feel like by by taking those two teams out within the same weekend, every team is looking at it now as well, the two teams or, or two of the teams that were very highly favored and highly talked about to make it all the way are now out, so why not us? Why can't we take that run now? Because that team that everybody was expecting is now no longer there. Yeah. Um, so last but not least, uh, Seahawks-Packers. Um, like we mentioned before, I think this is one of those games that could be very, very close as well with some of the other games. Like the Vikings and the Niners could be close. Who knows? And the Texans and the Chiefs could be close because it could be an upset. But I think this game will be kept close. The Packers have had some... Pretty iffy games going into the tail end of the season. The Seahawks keep it close with a lot of teams as well, so they're very good at doing that. Um, and again, they had a lot of injuries, but they bring in Marshawn Lynch to fix that problem. Um, I don't know. I, I think the Packers still have it enough to win this game. Um, this one is a big question mark for me. I think all I have to say here and as, is I'm going to wait to watch this game. This is a game I genuinely don't have a big analysis on. I just think... Most likely the Packers are going to have enough to win this game, but if you know, something else happens and this is an upset, I won't be surprised either. So the most I could say is the Packers, I think, are going to make it past. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, it's it's very difficult, again, as you mentioned. It's a very difficult game to really pick a winner on. Um, I'm, I'm going to have to say I favor the Packers as well, but um, if I had to give any siding, if I had to side any way with the Seahawks and say, okay, maybe they're going to pull it off, the only thing I can go with are that the uh, the Seahawks, they, they pulled off that win. They have the momentum going, whereas the Packers were not playing. They haven't played in the last two weeks. So, uh, you know, maybe they'll come out a little bit rusty and, and the Seahawks will start off strong. And, and I, I could, that's it. That's all I could say is maybe the Seahawks will start off strong because they, they played last week. They, they're not shaking off the rust from sitting at home or watching the games. And uh, that's the only thing I could say about that. Not much to, to go into. 
So last thing I want to talk about here, and I don't want to talk extensively about this because we'll get into more de- more in depth later because there's still another head coaching vacancy that needs to be filled, and I don't want to say anything like literally in this podcast they, they could get a head coach by the time this ends. Who knows? But I just want to talk about it briefly briefly with you uh, before wrapping up this podcast as we wind down here. So the Cowboys ended up hiring Mike McCarthy. Uh, the Panthers ended up hiring Matt Rule. The Giants ended up hiring Joe Judge, special teams head coach, mm-hmm. special teams coach, and um, wide receivers coach for the New England Patriots since 2012, and then the Browns are still looking for a head coaching, um, you know, head coach uh, for that position. Um, first things first. Oh, wait, oh, wait, go. Uh, you're forgetting go. the Redskins. Forgetting the Redskins. Yeah, they got Ron Rivera. That was just a little while ago. That was just the most recently. Um, they also got Jack yeah. Del Rio in there too. And again, we missed all this stuff. Um, so we'll we'll talk about it in depth another time. But I just want to get mm-hmm. your general idea. We'll start with who got hired first, Ron Rivera going into, you know, Washington now, being their head coach, bringing in, you know, Ron Rivera. Uh, no, Ron Rivera bringing in Jack Del Rio as a defensive coordinator, and he's I think he also hired an offensive coordinator today, if I'm not mistaken. I don't know his name. And again, we'll talk about it a little more later. What do you think of him being in Washington? What does he have to work with? Is he going to do – is he going to improve this team in any way, shape, or form? Uh, you know, or is it kind of the same old story here uh, that he did with the Panthers? And again – I don't. I still don't think the Panthers should have let him go, but I don't know. That's that's something we'll never know and we'll never see because now yeah. he's on the Redskins. What What do you think? Yeah, I mean, as you mentioned, I don't think the Panthers should have let him go. Um, so going on from that point, they, uh, as you mentioned, an offensive coordinator. I believe that he brought. He was from the Panthers. He was not an offensive coordinator. I believe he was just like one of those position coaches or an assistant. He never had had uh, the offensive coordinator role. Um, so he, he got a promotion by coming over to the Redskins um, from from the Panthers. But right. okay. I feel like it, it. I feel like Rivera is, from what I've heard, you know, he's got a young Dwayne Haskins, and and he. I know that Rivera worked. He, he essentially worked with Cam Newton and, and built him up. Um, so that that's a promising sign for the Redskins because Rivera has worked with a new quarterback that is kind of find, trying to find his way, and you're trying to develop him. Um, he, oh, they also have Darius Geis, and, and you know, McCaffrey is also, as you've known and as I've mentioned, he's had a lot of success there as well, and I don't know if that has a lot to do with Rivera or, or the offensive coordinator or whatever the case is, but, you know, he's had promising starts with Cam Newton and Christian McCaffrey. Um, so I guess you could say with having Darius Geis and, and Dwayne Haskins and then having Terry McLaurin, for example, those three guys, it's going to be nice to see Ron Rivera come in. Maybe he'll help develop those guys on the offensive side. Um, and then the defensive side, he's obviously familiar with Josh Norman if they decide to keep him around. Um, the only, they, the only downside heard... to this is that it's not very promising in terms of injury and stuff like that, and he is coming to a brand-new organization. So the first couple – this is going to be like a three-, four-year process. So I'm not expecting um, Ron Rivera to make a major turnaround right away. Yes, and I mean the uh, the one thing that I heard that Rivera's trying to do is I heard he's trying to bring back Trent Williams. He doesn't want him to go. He's he could he could very well do him. that. He could very well do that. But I don't know about ownership and everything like that and how they treated him and his injury is actually going to bring him back. But maybe there's a good chance. Ron Rivera is the type of guy exactly. who could and sweet I, talk you back. Exactly, and I mean by by hearing that that I, I feel like it's been all positive so far for him. Um, I mean I know he he hasn't done it yet. He hasn't brought. Trent Williams back yet. He hasn't developed Dwayne Haskins yet or, or Darius Geis or Terry McLaurin. He hasn't done anything yet. Um, but I just feel like he's one of those coaches that didn't lose his job 
the way that the other head coaches lost their jobs. I feel like the other head coaches lost their jobs because they were underperforming and like they just weren't their units were just not working well together. It was it was just a disaster, and, and the fans wanted them out. I yeah, they like just thought it was time. They, they, I think the Panthers organization was like, all right, let's let's try something else. <laughs> like we're we're done. Yeah, like, it's been like ten like years now. Was, you've been on this team. Let's bring someone else new in and see what he could do. Exactly, and I feel like that wasn't the case with Ron Rivera. I feel like it was not. He was not let go because of a poor performance. I mean, in the past couple of years, they haven't performed to the expectations that they were wanting. They're in a similar boat as the Falcons. You know, they made it to the Super Bowl, they didn't win, and then since then they've kind of been up and down and, and not performing back to that level. But, I mean, overall, I feel like he's a, he's a good coach. So I feel like any team that was going to get him was going to benefit, and I feel like the Redskins are eventually going to benefit from this. I'll even um, go as far in saying that I think Del Rio should have been a head coaching candidate for the most part. I know he was on NFL Network after, you know, he was let go a little while ago for John Gruden over there in Oakland, but I... I you know, having him as, an, as a defensive coordinator now, it's kind of like you got two head coaches in there. I mean, I know it's Ron Rivera calling the shots, but he's a guy who can run an organization too. So now that he's only focusing on defense, I think that's a pretty solid move. Yeah, I think uh, I think it's a good pairing, and I think I think this organization is taking a step in the right direction. Me too. Um, so let's quickly run through these guys here because I'm running out of time. Again, we'll we'll talk about this all off season, all when the playoffs are done, all when the Super Bowl champion is crowned. We have a lot of time to go in depth with this. This is just, um, you know, new hirings that we kind of need to report on. Uh, but the Panthers just hired mm-hmm. Matt Rule, and this is a whole big story with this thing because the Panthers were originally going to interview him, and then he and then Matt Rule was going to interview with the Giants the following day. I think uh, today he was supposed to interview him with Ashley. Today, yes. Yeah, today. and uh, they didn't. They kind of begged him to not go on the plane and told them, we'll give you a job right now. Because I know the second you go to New York, they're going to sway you into being their head coach, and it's going to happen. Um, so they offered him a contract. I think it was six years, and it was like $60 million, and I think with incentives could add up to seven, $70 million. And he also has full Correct. control yeah, full control of the team. It's rosters. He even hired, you know, he's hiring new people coming in and, and stuff like that, like on like not even on staff for the football team, like just in terms of, you know, player wellness and, you know, got, like, you know, I don't know. He can go as far as doing athletic, hiring athletic trainers and exercise scientists. I think that was the term and um, the position that they were trying to hire for and stuff like that. So he pretty much has a lot of control of this organization. And he ended up calling the Giants, I guess, after the offer was placed and said, can you match this? And they said no. And, you know, I guess the Giants really wanted him. And I guess they just couldn't match that offer. I don't blame the Giants in any way, shape, or form, but if that's your guy, you go and get him, and we'll jump into it a little later with the person they hired as their head coach. What do you think of Matt Rule uh, being the head coach of the Panthers now? Um, I think it's a solid move. I think whoever would have gotten him, I think uh, it was a gr- it would have been a good hiring anyway considering who was available and who the- anyone could have gotten. But the thing is with Rule, he's only coached Temple and he's coached Baylor from, a losing-, from losing seasons all the way, you know, um, to having a winning season, I think it was eleven and three his last season, and something the, the, like that. The, yeah, yeah, the Panthers even went as far to buy him out, just straight up to bring him in right away. Um, I, I think they, I don't know, the Panthers were, I, I don't want to say desperate, but they would, they don't want to, they didn't want to wait, which I kind of understand. Um, but what do you think of him as a Panthers head coach? Yeah, I mean, as you mentioned, you don't want to say that they were desperate, but in my eyes, they kind of made a desperate move. Because to give, a co- uh, to, to, to give a head coach that kind of money in general and that long term of a contract, a seven-year contract, that's a lot to begin with. And then you throw in the factor of he, he hasn't coached in the NFL. He doesn't have a lot of history with that. Um, he hasn't had a great track record because he has had some losing seasons in the past. I mean, granted, he's not coaching a huge school 
in terms of, you know, an Ohio State, a Clemson, a Michigan, you know, any of these schools to where they have a great track record. But still, he has not had a great track record as a coach in general. And I feel like to go out and give them that money and that long-term deal. Um, Giants may have dodged a bullet by not paying him that much. Yeah, I mean, I feel like it's, you know, if he turns out to be a great head coach, well, I'm going to come back and have to bite my words. But as of right now, I look, I, I'm looking at this as a very big risk because if this does not pan out, you're going to have to, you know, you're going to have to figure it out because you're not going to just let a guy go after a year or two if you have him for seven years. You know, he did a press conference today and everyone was saying, oh, he was killing it. He said all the right things, this and that. Mm-hmm. You can say all the right things. Things probably may or may not still go in the right direction. Who knows? You have this guy for the next couple of years, uh, you know, seven years to be exact, but you know, who knows? He could say all the right things and things may not turn out the way it was planned out to be. He may not be a good head coach, but I feel like the Giants would have been way more scrutinized if they did end up signing him because people would have said the same thing with Joe Judge. You know, this guy has no head coaching experience, this and that. He's only been, you know, a coach for, you know, two two teams in college that aren't even that great. They weren't even, you know, big teams that are in the Big Ten or anything like that. And it's just Temple and Baylor. It's nothing and nothing to freak out about. And I think the Giants may have dodged a bullet here. And I think the media would have been eating up the Giants. And now everyone's in love with the Panthers just because they're not in a big media market. Um, you know, it's Carolina. You know, like they do have a big fan base yeah. and everything like that. They were in the Super Bowl a couple of years ago. They have a solid, They have some stud, you know, players on the team. But in terms of being in New York and what their situation is, I think even if he got hired in New York – Everyone would be eating it up right now. I'm telling you, everyone would be freaking out about that hire. And everyone's still freaking out about the hire they made now. So I think it was a lose-lose situation for the Giants. This might have been a great decision in terms of, you know, giving them that much control. Because, again, ownership and their GM, they're all a little stubborn. Like, let's be honest here. So I, I don't think they're willing to give up anything as far as, you know, making decisions for the team. I think they're just – he's just trying – I think Giants ownership is trying to give – as little control as the head coach as possible and also give them control at the same time. So they can't really figure it out. Um, I think he's going to be a good, I think he's going to be an okay head coach. I think he's a, he's a player's guy um, first and foremost, which is why he was able to turn around organizations because he is looking for the players first, not the, you know, I I guess the plays and, you know, the X's and O's come second. um, But, you know, they go hand in hand with each other pretty much. And, you know, we'll get into more thoughts with that later. Um, with the Giants, they hired Joe Judge. This is the big, you know, signing that everyone's freaking out about because he's only the special teams coordinator for the, the you know, the Patriots, and he was there for all those couple Super Bowls in the past decade because he was there in 2012. Um, and you know, no head coaching experience, and people are comparing it to John Harbaugh. He was only a special teams coach before being a head coach, and he's now he's leading a team to a Super Bowl. He has an MVP caliber quarterback on his team who probably will be the unanimous MVP. Um, but with Joe Judge, I, you know, people don't even know who this guy's name is, and they're they're torturing this guy. I think it's like give it time, let's see what happens. People said that with Shermer, but it's like he was an offensive coordinator at least. You know, I think the the biggest point to note is that he was only a special teams coach. So who knows what's going to happen? He was under Saban, he was under Belichick. Cool, cool. People say a lot of you know Patriots coaches um, that end up being their, like you know head coaches. With other teams, don't end up working out too well. We we just don't know yet. People don't know who this guy is. I'm telling you, if you were to ask people on the street who's Joe Judge, no one would know who he is. Um, but we're just gonna have to see what happens. I really I can't give this guy, you know, I, I can't really give my thoughts because it's like I don't I'm not gonna know until week one or I'm not gonna know until like preseason. I don't even know. I don't even think that counts. I think I'm gonna have to wait till week one to really find out. There's a lot of time 
to see what happens. And we're going to see that when we go over it with who he drafts, who he who he and Gettleman drafts, because Gettleman has had a pretty decent drafts, I would say, just not good coaching. So we're going to see have to see what happens with him. Um, you know what offensive what moves he makes in the offseason like what are you going to do with Leonard Williams are you going to pay him since you gave up that third and the fifth because he's being thrown into the fire now with that situation uh, I, we just don't know until we see it so so what do you think of this tiring in and all the reactions with it yeah I mean as you mentioned I don't really have much to say on it because I don't know much about him he hasn't had much experience to really translate into his role right now uh, the only thing that I would say that that kind of worries me a little bit is that you have McCarthy going to the Cowboys and you have Ron Rivera going to the Redskins who are divisional opponents of the Giants and you know they have some experience with coaching in the past and uh you know the Giants kind of I would say they took a big risk and they did um, but it would have been a big risk for rule too though it would have been a big risk for either of those guys correct and I mean if it pays off again as I mentioned with rule I'm gonna have to eat my words but I just feel like it's a big 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 risk and for the other coaches in your division, they brought in guys that have had some experience in the past with head coaching, and they've seen what they can do, so they kind of are aware of what is to come for that organization. So that's what gets me a little worried, is that you know they have their, their coach right now, the one that didn't change would be Doug Peterson, who just took, uh, he just took them to the playoffs, and he's gotten them a Super Bowl ring a couple years ago. So like he's, going, he's trending in the right direction, and the Redskins make their, tra- their change uh, the Cowboys finally make their change after a long discussion and a long process in the offseason. Um, so that's the only thing that gets me a little hesitant. I mean, I'm not saying it's not going to pay off for the Giants, but it's just they took a, a lot bigger risk than everybody else in their division did. And uh, you're essentially competing to make the playoffs with your fellow division teams. So you kind of, you know, you want to be better off at least than them to start off with because. If you could be better than them and you're not much better than anybody else, at least maybe you'll take that division and make the playoffs that way. And I feel like that's kind of how the uh, the Eagles made it this year. Yeah. Um, but it, it, it's just, you know, it's it's a hard situation to to see because there's no translation for Joe Judge as there is for the other quarterback, uh, other coaches in that division. That's what I'm saying. We're going to have to wait and see. But, again, there's other factors going into it, such as the draft and offseason signings and all the cap space you're going to have because Eli Manning has gone and what you're, he's going to have to work with and how he's going to build around this team. Because who knows? He might come in with a different approach. Gettleman did say he did fail by trying to rebuild this team but also make it a playoff team. You have to pick one or the other, and I don't know what Joe, Joe Judge is going to do. Um, they just officially hired him today. Like he, they, It was basically the, you know, the dry – you know, news that was out that was like, oh, he's hired. But now today he's officially hired. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, we're going to have to wait and see. I don't know how extensively we did talk about McCarthy. What, uh, what do you think, how how is Mike McCarthy going to utilize this, you know, this team and its offense and its defense? And a lot of guys are signed, they're under contract, their cap space isn't too high, and you still got to pay Dak, and now he's thrown into that fire. Who knows what's going to happen there? I think he has some solid, you know, um, you know, uh, units to work with, you know, like Zeke, like Zeke Galley and Dak Prescott could be good under the right coaching. Who knows? I think them moving on from Jason Garrett was solid. Jason Garrett still could be in the same division if he's offensive coordinator for the Giants. We'll have to find out. I hope not, um, but we'll have to see. Um, I think Mike McCarthy and Jerry Jones are both – I, w- I want to say stubborn, but those guys could butt heads, and I, I don't. I don't think Ron Rivera would have been would have ever been hired um, with the Giants because I don't think him and Gettleman are cool. Like I like under any circumstances at all, and I didn't even think about it when it came yeah. to hiring coaches that Gettleman previously worked with him, and they could butt heads. So 
you know, Mike McCarthy and Jerry Jones never worked together, but they have a good relationship now where we're going to have to see how it goes moving forward. And they could make headlines if things go south. I, I think they're going to be okay, though. Mike McCarthy's been ready. Um, he's kind of had the mentality that the next opportunity is just around the corner, and he took it with the Cowboys. Um, he's got a lot to work with, and I think he's he, – out of all the coaches, he landed in the right spot. Like Mike, Mike Matt Rule is going to have to have a lot to work work with. Um, whoever is going to be the Browns coach is going to be in that same scenario with Mike McCarthy. Um, but they're going to have to figure this out too um, in terms of you know personnel and everything like that because Freddie Kitchens kind of set everything up. John Dorsey set everything up, and but they don't have a GM now. So it's kind of like Mike McCarthy, if you really think about it, is in probably the best position out of, out of every every head coach right now. And I didn't even mention Joe Judge yet. He has to deal with you know all these young players and bring them into a, you know, have a winning culture there. It is a winning culture there, but they haven't won a Super Bowl in a while. So, I don't know. What what are your just thoughts on what he can do to this team that Jason Garrett didn't? Yeah, I mean, I feel like he has brought the uh, the Packers. So, he was working with uh, a younger Aaron Rodgers, and he was working. And he, I feel like the team was always a great team, but I feel like, you know, he's had a lot of su- success with, Obviously, Aaron Rodgers is a great talent. He's had a lot of success with uh, the offensive side of things. And this team is a very good offensive team. So I feel like by putting that together, you know, he, he worked with a younger Aaron Rodgers. You got Dak Prescott, who, who's not a rookie. He's not too young, but he's on the younger side in terms of quarterbacks. And uh, I think, you know, it's going to be a positive experience for Dak. I think it's going to be a positive experience for this offense because McCarthy was always a, a great offensive-minded guy. Um, I'm just a little worried about Zeke because I know that they've had McCarthy has not had a great track record with running backs in the past. I mean, granted, he hasn't been given a running back like Zeke. Um, but yeah, I mean, I'd say if there would be any flaws, it would just be maybe Zeke's production goes down just a little bit. But yeah. that's the only flaw I really say. I think that offense is really going to be a, one of the better offenses moving forward because McCarthy is just, I feel like he's a good offensive guy. I feel like the reason he ended up leaving Green Bay is I feel like him and Rodgers were kind of starting to butt heads and, and yeah. Rodgers wanted to try to take over more and he, McCarthy wasn't letting that happen and you're not going to say no to your franchise quarterback. Yeah. Um, I, I, think so I, I feel like that's kind of what happened. Yeah. Um, so the only last code coaching vacancy right now that um, needs to be taken care of is the Browns. They're looking at um, Kevin Stefanski from the Vikings, who I think probably wasn't interviewed enough for the job. Um, I, I mean, he's also still in playoff contention, so maybe that's why. Um, they're looking at McDaniels. They're looking at a couple other guys. They're looking at the defensive coordinator for the 49ers, who I think is a really good coach too. So they have a lot of options, and they could take their time with finding their head coach. Um, and we're going to get into the Rooney rule and all that stuff another time. I just, I've, I've spoken enough today, um, but we'll get into a lot more de- in-depth with these head coaching hires and how they can benefit their teams. And also, we're going to monitor exactly what they're going to do when it comes to you know this upcoming draft, who has a lot of star power, and also what they're going to do with their salary cap and everything. So as of right now, we're just giving you the news and our initial thoughts and everything like that. We're going to have to see with the, with the Browns. But uh, from what I heard, they're trying to figure out who they want to hire by the end of the week so um, we'll stay tuned for that as well so I don't want to get too in-depth with them because if I go into a bunch of hypotheticals that's just not going to happen within the next two days it's just not worth talking about um, yeah we're, mm-hmm. head- we're heading into the div- divisional rounds and then after that um, it's full speed ahead going into the Super Bowl with the with the, uh, the other rounds too who we'll see win in, in, uh, this weekend so um, 
other than that, I guess we could wrap it up here. We'll wind it down uh, from where we're at. Chris, it was great talking to you over the phone. Uh, we'll get back together soon uh, to do this in person. And also we could, you know, get our soundboards going and everything like that. You know, uh, it's, <laughs> it's been, a, it's been a, a quick, quick season. I feel like it's going way too fast and it's still going really fast. There's going to be a Super Bowl winner right before we know it. So, um, of yeah, wrap it up here. Thank you guys for listening. We really appreciate it. Uh, find us uh, at Franchise Tag on Instagram and Twitter. Um, you can look up the Franchise Tag NFL podcast on YouTube. We're not going to be posting for a little bit. Um, we're currently in college right now, so when break is over, we will get that set up for you for more video content. Um, but as of right now, it's audio, audio only. And since it's audio only, you can find us on Apple Podcasts um, where you can listen to us there. If, if you enjoy the show, make sure to leave a rating or review. It definitely does help out the show. Um, and if you do like the show, Make sure you tell a friend and make sure they leave a rating review too. You know, it definitely helps. Spread the word. Um, and you can find us on all other uh, streaming platforms for podcasts as well. Um, other than that, thank you guys for listening and we'll see you next time.